Hail, glorious listeners, and welcome to episode 47, would you believe? Ben, good evening. Isn't that like the meaning of life or something? No, that's 42. Oh, we've missed that, Jake. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, we, we've never been, you know, organisation is not the height of our abilities. Nope. Um, so, anyway, without further ado, after last time's massive rambling intro, tonight, how are you, by the way? <laughs> Very well, thank you. I <laughs> Tonight, we will go firstly, as ever, onto the hobby desk. So there's actually been quite a lot of hobby going on. Uh, ben is stuck in a very green skin-based rub, and I have flitted around like some kind of insane dragonfly. Um, and then, moving on, of course, we have had the reveals from the Nova Open. So loads of cool stuff to talk about. New campaign, new stuff for Necromunda and a tithe of bones. So, <laughs> lots to talk about there. Um, into community, so our usual focus on the community. We've got some exciting news to announce uh, with regards to the two Ps and what we've been up to, um, and also our usual shout-outs, a little bit on events. And then lastly, this time, we journey to Middle-earth, and I won't be asleep, and I've actually got something cool to talk about. So, it's a bit of a miracle, really, isn't it, mate? Well, you know... It- clocks right twice a day and (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and not to mention of course the incredible rohan stuff we saw from nova as well so we've got that to talk about so lots to listen to so we best crack on guys grab your refreshments and we will see you on the hobby desk Hey all mighty listeners and welcome to episode 47 and it's Hobby Desk. Um, oh, what a difficult couple of weeks. <laughs> You've been it feels having like a I've lot achieved... of fun, haven't you? Mm. Yeah, it feels like I've achieved absolutely nothing, but I think I've painted more in the last week than I have done in a very, very long time. It's been really productive this month, or last three weeks, I think, for both of us in a way. Yes, yeah. You definitely. especially. I mean, you've been rattling through it. Yeah, but uh, on the last episode, you let me talk first, and then uh, it got a bit silly. So this time it's your turn. So let's hear Is about it? your orcs. Yeah, yeah, we are sat here, both wearing our um, our t shirts from Clint and Heralds of War. From Heralds of War, it's, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's um, so I wear it when I go to to um to Chris's house, and his little girl's like, "Oh, a dragon," which is actually the ravening jaws from. Uh, the endless spell so, yeah it's always funny but yeah it's it's kind of our painting and podcasting t-shirt now isn't it so i tell you why because when when clint asked for the sizes i was like oh i don't know and you were like dude don't get it wrong because he's going to make us t-shirts so i went big with it um yeah. and it's just so comfy oh yeah that's exactly why like, we're mine <laughs> I, I care not for your cake belly i shall just be comfortable <laughs> Right, um, so, Hobby Desk. So I've been, I decided, I made a decision, um, it was painful, took a long time, to to spend the rest of this year really getting all of my orcs finished so that um, from this point onwards I could just add things to those armies. Yeah. Like, I've got a bit of that, I've had a bit of that, and clear the decks. Now... The other benefit of doing that was that a lot of the starters kits 
have orcs in or goblins. Yeah. So the fourth edition fantasy starters kit has goblins. My first starters kit. Um, a fantasy starters kit. Um, the uh, fourth, sixth edition one had orcs in, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and then there's the battle for black reach. So I'm going to do 40k ones too. Um, and hero quest and space crusade and finish off my iron jaws that I've done as well. So it would get a whole big chunk of my collection done, really sort out my backlog and really get me a long, lot way closer to finishing that dream of starters kits. Oh, and the second edition 40k one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a, <laughs> They're gonna be there's a few hundred models, um, and I've broken them into big chunks. And the last two weeks, I've been working on that. So the first week, I finished off the troll, the Daghole troll. I was really, really chuffed with that. He looked um, ace, mate. Really nice. Thank you, mate. Uh, lots of contrast on him, just to sort of get used to them. Use the contrast glazy wise. I've I spoke about that on the last podcast. And then I set about painting. <laughs> this is going to sound so ridiculous when I say it out loud, but the, <laughs> the, it is ridiculous. Fact, the, <laughs> the sixth edition starters kit. So I have two orc chariots, um, the orc war boss on a ball from that box set, the 20 YMCA orcs, the 20 orc archer orcs. Um, and then I've added into that. The do you remember the war boss that you could buy and it was uh, it was on a boar and it was on foot and there was loads of cool bits in there. It's one of the first kind of multi multi part box sets for for a character. That do they you did. think everybody's going to be a hundred percent familiar with the uh, the village people and uh, the YMCA? Orcs. YMCA. Yeah, maybe not. We can get I'm some pictures. It, so. They're in the they're in the show notes, but essentially. Um, when you go to those, uh, you know, you all went to those awesome little discos where they played uh, YMCA and you did the actions. Basically, these orcs uh, look like dudes doing the actions. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a, and I've been doing them all as one big batch. And I also did it as a sort of second round of of... Messing around with contrast, so using them as Games Workshop has kind of had envisaged using them. So I started with the Halford's Grey Undercoat and started off really quite chuffed with it. it the Militarum Green is an excellent green over um, Halford's Grey to make a simple orc skin. And really, if I was rushing to get them on the table, I could have left it at that, but I did... No point rushing when you've got hundreds to do, is there, dude? None of So I... I then glazed over that with the um, Nurgle uh, Plague, Plague Walker, that one, the sort of a, a yellowy green, and then glazed, uh, then highlighted up on a couple of the areas with um, Strachan green, um, and then a bit of Nurgling green, but not much. Really fast that, that wasn't done, that didn't spend much time at all, it was just to clear up some of the stains that you can get with the contrast, and then... A wash over the whole thing of gillum and flesh, really watered down, and then the elbows and mouths with, uh, don't laugh at me, Bugman's flesh, and then the <laughs> eyes and the deep crevices with purple, no, Drucci Violet. Now, that sounds like a lot, but that only took me um, 
five, six hours to do near on 60 orcs. No, that's very good. Which I didn't think was that bad, actually. No. Um, and that's to a standard where I could put them next to my goblins and, and not go, oh, that just looks horrible. So. Oh, no, I'm impressed li- then. I was thinking to myself, well, this is Ben's speedy painting, and he's, so far he's <laughs> mentioned six colours to do the skin. Yeah. It works, though. I mean, it, you know, it, I, I could have spent more time being more controlled with it, and in some places I wish I had, but I haven't. Um, then I went on to, I mean, the browns. I've used all of the browns. Some of them are absolutely stupendous, and I forget the names of a lot of them. But um, so Wildwood is awesome. Gorgrunter is awesome. So Wildwood comes out like dryad bark kind of color. Really dark one, isn't it? Really dark one. Um, Gorgrunter is more like the Mournflang, that one. Um, and then there's the other one, Seigel Brown, which is more like the Scorchy Brown, um, colour, which I can, um, Rhinoxide. Those three I liked. Um, the Snake Bite Leather, mm, not so much of a fan of that. Um, and the, what's the one that isn't Skeleton Hordes, but slightly darker? Agaros Dunes? Yeah, that one. Not a massive fan of that one either. I think that one is meant to be Steel Legion Drab kind of territory, and that's what I've been using to sort of tidy and highlight that up. But on the YMCA Orcs, they worked a treat, all of them. And the ones that I didn't like, I just put a wash of Agrax Searchshade over the top, and they worked fantastically. And I could have left it at that, but I have highlighted them up. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's quite clear that you could not have left it at that. A person... Said body could have left it, but Ben Hall, <laughs> P of power, could not have left it like that. Well, I tried. But it's that attention that. to detail, which is why your stuff's amazing. So I laugh, but, you know, when um, I, when you set up your army, I'm like... The archers, man. <laughs> Sleeves. The archers. I, do you know, next time we play a game, I'm going to turn up... With one of them, like, long-sleeve T-shirt jumper things. I I don't know why they've got sleeve sculpted on them. The ones without have got... I mean, they've they all got cold, a problem. dude. But whatever, they're orcs. They've always got their guns out. Yeah, so, but, the know, studded leather armour... Studded leather armour is a work of modelling evil. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There's no doubt about it. There's no escaping having to sit there and individually pick out every flipping stud. And it's just a killer on like 20 of them. Um, and then the sleeves, I, tr- I just could not quickly find a way of doing the sleeves. And I couldn't choose the right colour and I did some greys and the greys were too cold and the army is generally warm and I just got in such a mess with them that I ended up having to individually do them and they're nowhere near anywhere I'm happy with but they're just going to have to do. Mm. But last night the 20 archers got finished and by the end of the weekend, because the others are well on their way, I expect to get the YMCA orcs done, which are Great models, actually, the YMCA orcs. The archers are horrible. I hate them. <laughs> I hate this, the teeth around their necks. I hate the studded leather armor. I hate the sleeves. I just don't, I just had enough of them. And I, what I normally say about old models, 
how nostalgic and wonderful they are and etc etc these archers can go die and burn in the pits well you said to me you're glad you didn't try and start warhammer with that box set because you'd have just put it back and said that's enough of that (laughs) (laughs) yep yep well, I mean, the, the the close combat ones, the YMCA ones, are actually like the exact opposite. They are everything a starter's model should be. Really easy to paint, really simple, nice clean lines. And the, the kind of, they've got like leather laminar armor, so little kind of scales of it. Dead easy to paint that. Really like them. Could dry brush them with no trouble at all. Um, yeah, so they're, they're quite good. They're, I'm expecting to get all 20 of those finished after we finish recording tonight, actually, Dan. And then that will leave the characters and the, the chariots to quickly finish off over the weekend. Um, but yeah, that's it. I mean, it's been a struggle because I've been putting a lot of hours in because I needed to get this batch of 50 done within a week, two weeks. Otherwise, the, the, the whole project was going to fall on its face and I was going to be behind for the rest of it. But, well, well done. I It, it well, has been... Painful from afar, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the next thing I've got to do is 20 yard boys. Um, and I, I love painting my iron jaws. So when I've got a nice, simple scheme for them that should end up working to do the 20 really quickly. Have, so you've I'm, got some already painted, have you, for our boys? I've got half of them are, half of them are airbrushed up. To, and then you can start doing all the detail. And the other ones are black undercoated. And um, I'm going to do a guide for them. Cool. Do you have any time. ready painted though for your iron jaws? Yeah, just ten. Yeah. So by so the time I finish, I have thirty. Oh, that's which is a, a nice, nice size mop, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, in the in the pipeline for the Ard Boys, well, for the Iron Jaws before the end of the year is another unit of three Gore Grunters and another unit of five Brutes as well. So I'll have 30 Yard Boys, six Gore Grunters and ten Brutes, which I think is a nice sort of force to start picking from to form the centre of my war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot less polite to the sort of things you've been shouting this week than war. Um, yeah, based on the painting, but there we are. Absolutely not PG in any form at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. I got in. I, ended up, you know, I don't know if anyone else gets this, but I can't leave a project in a bad place when I stop painting. Otherwise, it plays on my mind. I can sometimes not get to sleep. Mm. So I will, and this is going to sound so sad. I know I can appreciate how bad this sounds, but if I've left a project and I wasn't happy with it. I, I could sit in my bed and think, is it as bad as I thought it was? Is it? And I would go downstairs and have another look at it just yeah, to reassure yeah. <laughs> myself that it's not awful. Yeah. And then if I'm like, you know, I could fix that. It's fine. I'll, they'll be able to sleep. But, but with these, with the sleeves on these orcs, they kept me up. I went downstairs, looked at them and I was like, nah, they're still crap. <laughs> and then I went to work and the whole day I was like, I'm going to nitromorse the blasted things i've had enough of them i'm just gonna start again i hate them and then you kind of slightly talked me down and then i got home and i photographed them and you were like you yeah, know they're not that bad i was like oh maybe they're not that bad no you said i, I hate them <laughs> is what you said <laughs> not oh, and i'm not still that not happy yeah, i'm but still you not got, happy you this, oh my goodness 
It's 20 I know. sleeves. I know. Do you know what's really bad? Yeah. The the golf orcs from the second edition starters kit have all got sleeves. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and oh if they're dear. anything like these sleeves, I... Oh! And, and they're <laughs> Just... all identical. But they'll be mm-hmm. smaller. There's there's not as much surface area, is there? Yeah, these are huge. Yeah. It's like massive jump in scale over a very short amount of time. Mm. Good. Well, I'm glad you've had a positive hobby experience over the last three weeks. It is, in a, in a way, because there's this huge chunk. It's a whole st- half a starters kit done in two weeks um, to a standard that I don't think is too bad. I mean, it's not brilliant. It's not gonna. It's not gonna win South Coast GT best army of these. <laughs> but it, it, you know, I could put it on the table and not be embarrassed. So good. That's cool. That is very good. So over to, over to you because uh-huh. you've been I, really wrangling your way through it. I've had a crazy productive hobby. Uh, well, two weeks really. Um, which I've really enjoyed. So I decided that I would take a leaf out of uh, Sean O'Neill's book. And combine... We should call it an O'Neill pledge from yes, now on. Yeah. Um, and combine it with you saying, stop just painting corn all the time. Um, not, not mentioning that you're now just painting green skins, but anyway, <laughs> um, stop painting corn all the time. And, uh, and I've decided I set myself some goals. So um, 16th of August, I sort of got out my book and I wrote down the game systems that I play. Because what I'm find what I was finding is I've got lots of cool ideas that I want to do for all the game systems. And when I just go right, I'm concentrating on that one. I get frustrated. Um, so I thought I'd have a go at doing little chunks of all of them, um, but with an overall direction for all of them. So yeah. Um, Game systems that I'm currently actively collecting and playing games when I get the opportunity. So we got Age of Sigmar, 40k, Adeptus Titanicus, Warcry, Necromunda, Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, Blood Bowl. That might be it. I think that might be enough, actually. I'm just looking behind me at what I've got. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and then we, I will be adding, um, Aeronautica Imperialis into that, of course. Um, so I just wrote down, and, and some of it was like one model. Um, so Farmer Maggot and his hounds was the Middle Earth strategy battle game stuff. Um, 10 cultists, because I've got this desire to have an apocalypse army and it needs to have, be bulked out a bit, so it looks like an apocalypse army. Um, the Iron Golem from Warcry. The bulkheads and stuff from Necromunda because they've just been hanging around for ages. Um, and two Blood Bowl Blitzers, done those as well, and two Sarastas Knights. I had planned to do a Mighty Lord of Corn, but because I love our listeners so much, I've dedicated the last couple of days of the month to, to recording the podcast uh, and editing it. So I probably won't get him done, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so apart from the Mighty Lord of Corn, all of that, is painted and has been painted over August. Um, now the Sarastas Knights, to be fair, I did start at the beginning of August, but everything, they were finished and everything else painted between the 16th of August and now. So I'm, I'm over the moon 
Uh, I'm really happy. It's all sat behind me on the on my table, and I come in and I'm like, "Oh, I did that." <laughs> uh, oh, I need to warn But I'm an egg. So, um, yeah, really pleased. So, I think some cool experiences. I made I made a lot of mess with weathering powders. It was insane. When I did those bulkheads, I was just like, ah, oh. and then I went upstairs later to do my teeth and I had like black streaks across my face and my <laughs> nostrils were like completely black where I'd been like wishing it around and it had come up like a mist and gone up my nostrils. And it was, it was just mental. I just looked like some kind of lunatic, um, which is a close thing, but Interestingly, like <laughs> what, what I went with with those was quite a subdued color because it's lots of like um, uh, weathering. Um, so typhus corrosion is on there. Some of the Forge World weathering powders is on there. A very light dry brush at the end of a bright silver. Um, but then because they were so dark, I just did a little bit of uh, OSL, very basic because it's not something I have much experience with, but just to bring some color to it. And I'm mm. really chuffed with it. I, I, I'm really happy. So that's great. I, I'm really pleased. Oh, what, one thing I did experience that I put all the weathering powders on. I was really happy. And I thought, Oh, I know. I'll just put a load of gloss varnish on to seal it. And it, it just completely ruined it. <laughs> just all sort of, <laughs> it basically removed, it looked like it had just removed it. Um, yeah. which was, so I was like, Oh. Hmm. Well, that's disappointing. And actually, that was a good example. And and there's another one in a minute of where something happened where previously I'd have probably thought I give up, but I tried to push through it to to get the project done. Mm. So the other experience was the cultists. So really funny. I I painted Farmer Maggot, um, and and the Serastus Knights with a bit of contrast paint. So I used contrast on the Serastus Knights for all the armor plating, the green armor plating, which is the the warp, warp, what is it called? Warp lightning mm. um, over silver, uh, which I really like, really pleased with that. And I then used um, Farmer Maggot is almost exclusively contrast because it's so small. The little hounds, it was brilliant. I painted them in like 10 minutes with contrast. Um, and, and something I did a lot, which I really enjoyed, was um, uh, I, so, so I suppose sort of blending-ish kind of on the miniature so putting the paint putting the contrast on and then getting the um contrast medium and using it to draw it out um across the miniature to get that fade which i was really pleased with so they were quite quick and then maggot was really quick and um i think the only thing that isn't contrast on him is the scythe hand that the actual blade of the scythe um and then I put loads of flowers and gubbins on the bases of my Lord of the Rings models because I think it it kind of helps them stand out quite nicely. Um, so that I was like on a high. I was like, oh, this contrast. Yeah, I'm liking this. So I'm going to paint my cultists with contrast. And I spent three hours. We were chatting, weren't we? And I painted up all the base coats. And then I went, they look shite. <laughs> no. I was like, they are awful. They just didn't work. And it was over Grey Seer, uh, not Grey Seer, what's the other one called? Wraithbone. And yeah. you and I were talking and we just feel that it's just too light. Um, yeah. And it works better over the more subdued tone. So um, they went straight into isopropanol, which reminds me, I need to take them out at some point or they're just going to disappear. Um, but there we are. Uh, 
And again, that was another point where I was like, oh, sugar. But I got another 10 out because I got loads of them. And I decided <laughs> to go, I know, I, I decided to go traditional and I uh, base coated them Mormfang Brown with the airbrush because there's no spray. Why is there no brown spray? I know we say this, but it's just ridiculous. Or Zandri Dust. <laughs> Mormfang Brown and Zandri Dust. I think there was a Zandri dust, wasn't there? There was, oh, but I, I was one thing. But it's just ridiculous. It's, what is that about? But anyway, um, so Mornfang bring back Mornfang. Yeah, hashtag bring back Mornfang. Have a little thing about it. So um, Mornfang brown, and then paint up all the base colours. Agrax Earth shade, layered it up a little bit. Um, did did do the skin by putting on grey sear and then putting skin tones on. Really like that. Um, so they got done, and that was cool. Um, the Iron Golem, that was lots of contrast. Pete the Wargamer, fantastic video, really basic um, way of painted those. Really basic, actually. It was very, very impressive. It's like grey sear, sprayed grey sear. Paint all the metal with a really light metal, and then paint all the metal again, all the armour metal, with Agaros Dunes, which looks great over metal as a like a brassy colour. And then go in and paint the panels with the Flesh Terror Red, or the Blood Angel Red. Um, and then um, a couple of other bits. And then wash it all with a 50-50 Agrax and a Medium. Mm. And it looks fine. You know, for the speed as well. It was just like, what? what is this about? This is amazing. And then I've just done two Blood Bowl Blitzers, um, which took a couple of nights. I think the only risk is I have been burning the candle at both ends a bit because I have to get up early for work and I've been painting until like from when Harriet goes to bed around nine, I've been painting till like midnight. So I think what what I need to try and do over the next month, because I'll have longer because I won't be starting mm. in the middle of the month, is is maybe give myself a cut off of like 11 o'clock. And say I need yeah, to stop and because... be sensible about your pledges as well. Yeah, because I think otherwise I don't. I don't want to burn out, obviously, because I'm. I'm just really enjoying it, and it's exciting because I'm thinking about projects for different things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do a bit of that. I can do a bit of that. Um, and it feels like I'm making progress towards them, which is really cool. Um, I did do a video, so there's a video on YouTube, um, which has got. Uh, it's not got the Blood Bowl Orcs because they weren't done at the time, but it has got the other things that I finished in the video. Um, and I talk a little bit about this as well. So my intention, this would be one of those episodes you can drag back up and be like, look what you were going to do before you just didn't. <laughs> um, my intention is to try and do those every every other Wednesday in between the podcasts. Do a little hobby update um, about what I've been working on and various bits and bobs. And I'm hoping... We, we, hopefully we'll both be able to do that at some point but um, we'll see could get a bit more visual stuff out there but yeah I, I've it. definitely got a face for radio me, I'm, I'm not fo- videogenic or whatever it's called yeah, uh, well I, I agree but you've got a lovely beard over it so it's okay, <laughs> you're alright well, my my son said that at, at dinner time today, he was like, Tristan's like Daddy I can't decide whether you look like a troll or Hagrid. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, cheers, dude. And he's like, uh, um, 
I think you look like Hagrid, but you're you're as big as a troll. <laughs> it's like this okay. is getting better. That's Thank nice. you very much. And he goes, well, maybe not quite as big as a troll. A half troll. So I'm Hagrid half troll. Thank you very much, Tristan. I love you lots. That's excellent. Joshua said to me the other day, completely innocently, Daddy, why are you big? Because you eat too much cake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. They're great. Out of the mouth of babes. Yeah, they send them back. Anyone want (laughs) Great. So what's... um, So... What what are you doing? Oh, you're doing Hard Boys, aren't you, after this? So that's good. I am doing Hard Boys after this. I'm really excited about that, actually, Dan. I, I, good. The, my Hard Boys, or my Iron Jaws, my first Age of Sigmar army. And actually, if I'm being completely honest, the first painted fantasy army that I've had since um, since my my first High, Elf, High Elves. Yeah. Like, you know, right, right back in... But they weren't even an army; they were just bits. Yeah, you know, some some units were painted in the army. The rest were sort of messed around with, like you do with kids. Yeah, you know, you end up sort of experimenting on every model until the unit doesn't look anything like a unit. Um, so they they will always hold a special place in my heart because not only because they were my first army, but because when I saw the Oric, um, the Mega Boss on foot. In Games Workshop Plymouth, when I just started to get back into things again, that model, I was just, <laughs> I was okay, all right. If that's what orcs are like in Age of Sigma, I am all in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it was like they took an army and just went, there you go. It's brilliant. <laughs> they are wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Really um. So yeah, I'm. I, I'm really excited about getting those 20 done because I actually think Hard Boys are a really competitive unit as well. They're tough as hell and they deal damage. For 30 Hard Boys is, is 60 wounds and the save isn't appalling. And, um, oh, 10 of them are going to have the shields. So they'll, they'll be, they can discount mortal wounds, um, with those. So they, I'm hoping it's going to make a nice, resilient kind of call unit. The, the the guy I've chosen for like the leader of the shields unit is the um the old war boss orc war boss with the big shield and the massive tusks it's like an early iron jaw hard boy yeah I know the one yeah yeah um so he looks ace the only thing I would say about the hard boys with shields is that the shields are just a bit small really <laughs> yeah but. That's uh, the case with lots of miniatures from the world that was appearing in Warhammer ages ago. I did very seriously consider doing them with like plastic card shields, really big ones like the that the war boss leader. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I talked myself out of that. Probably time, I think. Yeah. But <laughs> so, something for another unit, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So, an exciting uh, hobby desk over the last few weeks. Well, you haven't told us what you're going to do next. So, hobby pledges for this month. Um, where's my little book? Over there. So, I think I can remember. So, for Age of Sigma, I want to try and get my uh, Chaos War Shrine done. I've had that since Age of Sigma came out, and it's not painted. So, that's a bit... I weird. still couldn't tell you what a Chaos War Shrine looks like. Cause it, 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 it looks like you and me... Right, carrying on our backs 
a door for a house that's loaded up with symbols of devotion to the chaos gods. Huh. Yeah. Serious. I'll find a picture. <laughs> so, um, so that's that. Uh, Warcry, I want to do the piece of terrain, which is basically Sigmar's head. With Are you going to do that with the with the recipe that um, Runebrush shared? Where it's I'm... Balthazar gold. Oh, no. no. And then with the Nighthaunt gloom over the top, because I thought that looked absolutely spanking. Yeah, it does look very... It does look very... Maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah, it was Morn, it was Mornfang, then Nighthaunt Gloom, you know, the, the technical paint, and then dry brush with Balthazar Gold. And I've not seen anything that looks so realistically like old, really old bronze that's gone past having the verdigris and just turned into like a patina. I, you know, it could have well been a bronze statue for all. Hmm. Maybe I'll do that's, that. That's how I'm going to do it. Oh, oh no! Well, I'm not doing it like that then, because yours will just be better. Oh, don't be um, such a. <laughs> <laughs> um. What? What else am I going to do? Oh, Middle Earth strategy. I'm going to build a Hobbit hole, but I want to talk about that a bit more in the Lord of the Rings section. Um. So that's what I'm doing for that, and uh, ten more cultists because cultists. Um, and they're basic, and they're a thing I can knock through quickly. To mm. have like a feeling of yeah, I've done quite a bit. They're like a backup. Um, my Reaver Titan, my Blood Bowl Troll, and Aeronautica Imperialis. The Blood Bowl Troll is a pig. Just to warn you. Yeah, that's all right. It's uh, it's fine. <laughs> I've probably given myself a bit much to do because some of those are big pieces, but we'll see. No, mm. yeah, I think you'll be all right actually. Yeah. Well, it'd be great to get to the end of the month and have painted all that, especially that war shrine, really. And a reaver type. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it's been um, a joy talking about the hobby desk. Um, it's great when we've both been quite productive. Um, so we don't just sit here going, uh, yeah, so my hobby desk is made of wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yeah. it is time now to head forth to the galaxy of war guys grab those refreshments we'll catch you in the grim darkness of about five minutes time The Thunderbolt. Sitting in the cockpit is like sitting at the right hand of the Emperor with a button for cannons. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm so excited. All I can say about the Aeronautica is... That is it. (laughs) That's it. 40k done. Moving on. (laughs) So excited. I'm surprised you didn't grab the cardboard model of the Thunderbolt and just run out of the shop. Oh, mate, I know. I they they really need to make those things available. They do actually. Like they would sell them. I would buy they, them. Lots yeah. of them. Um, and I wouldn't even turn up to a 40k game and try and fob one off as well as a model. <laughs> just want them flying <laughs> around my ceiling.
In fact, why it, don't I just have a Forge World Thunderbolt hanging off the ceiling? I don't know. I, I was trying to work out the other day why I don't have a Forge World Thunderbolt, because they have been, like I said, ever since that diorama, have been like a huge influence on, on how I see the 40k universe. So, I've loved it. I know. So, we should outline that um, it's not just about Aeronautica in the 41st millennium today. Um, although we are going to be talking a fair bit about that. But we also have the Space Marines, dude, have yeah. drop-podded in and bringing the Emperor's Wrath. Um, lots to talk about there. Uh, also, Nova as well. Um, so, we have seen a whole boatload of stuff from Nova, including Sisters of Battle and... Um, Plastic Aspect Warriors and Shrike. So, yeah. Where I should mean, we just, start, just dude? Two, two things in that sentence. Honestly, there was a time where I never thought I'd hear it. Plastic Sisters of Battle and Aspect Warriors, man. I know. But where would you like to start? I'm not really bothered, actually. I'm quite happy to bimble my way following, following you through it. Okay, well, then it's Aeronautica. So... <laughs> <laughs> so on um I quite start with the uh, space spring codex actually Dan. Yeah, oh, well, okay then. Okay. No, so no, the new do, Thunderbolt do... models are um <laughs> absolutely incredible. So uh So yeah, the Thunderbolt fighter um is flipping amazing. Um and uh I got I so I went into Games Workshop or Warhammer Bristol um on Saturday with Joshua uh, after we'd been into antics and sorted out his train set. So I was like, right, so you need to be good now because we're going into Daddy's shop now. We've been into your shop. Two minutes in. I want to go. I want to go. Oh, flipping heck. So um, anyway, I took... Oh, been there recently, mate. I had to escort Tristan out because he was being such a little brat. Oh, dear. <laughs> dear. And all because he wanted a gold paint. I'm like, Tristan, I've got, like... Six Retributor armors from from Conquest magazine or whatever it's called. He <laughs> said, like, "But I want one." I was like, "Well, you can use mine, but I want one." It's like on and on and on. Oh, children! <laughs> I think um, shops should have a cage, soundproof cage. Um, you know, they, they, you have shops with um, oh, what is it called? Soft play, soundproof cage. So, what we need. Um, that would be fine. Yeah. So, um, can't see that going badly. For no, I'm sure. <laughs> so, I went in, um, and they had the kit in there. Um, they built some of the aircraft, mate, and they are amazing. Have you seen them in the flesh yet? I haven't, but I, just from the photographs, I'm really pleasantly surprised with the scale of them. Yeah, they're properly big, and they feel good to hold. And um, Joshua enjoys zooming one around. Uh, Really, really nice. The inside, the the mat, the play mat, although it's like a poster, it's not... It's okay. It'll do. You know, the box is only 55 quid. It'll do. Um, lots of cool templates. Then I saw the transfer sheet, and I flipping wigged out with excitement. It is so good, dude. So the Thunderbolt, the wings you see on the top of it in white, that's a transfer and it's in white yeah. and black. I was like, ah! And they've done the flames as well for the little orky aircraft. So you can really go to town and get all your markings and all that stuff on there. And it's packed. The sheet is packed. 
connect with them. Um, and, you know, it, it could be said I quite like transfers. Uh, yeah. So I got very excited by the transfers. Um, and then, uh, so what did I do? I ended up, I pre-ordered, um, oh, a load of stuff. The cards and the Runeswell book and the cardboard playing surface. Possibly some extra template things. Oh, and some random hobbits, but they're not going to be in Thunderbolts. They're just, uh, they're just because I wanted some. And, um, yeah, so I pre-ordered all of that and then I drove over to Big and I pre-ordered the box game because I wanted to spread out the love a bit and I needed to pop over to Big anyway. Um, yeah. So very, very excited. I- I've watched about half the video with Becca Scott in it. Um, I believe there was something about rules in the video as well, but I didn't really, um, didn't really take it on board. Um, unfortunately. Um, so I do need to pay a bit of attention, uh, next time. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've read, I've read some of the stuff online and, um, it sounds like there's quite a lot going on rules wise because you've got altitude and, I think you've got altitude and speed and lots of different maneuvers and tokens and all sorts, but I cannot wait um, to give it a try. What I didn't do, this is incredible, I didn't buy any additional models or the ground assets because I was like, I'm going to get these. I bought everything else connected to it. Actually, no, I didn't buy the dice because I was like, I don't need any more dice. Um, So, yeah, looking forward to it. Are you are you something you're going to pick up, dude? Do you think? Yeah, I should think so. Um, I I don't really know. It's a problem, isn't it? Because <laughs> when it comes to like choosing your army, because I really want to do the imperial, but everyone's going to do imperial, and I don't want to end up doing two armies of them. But we'll we'll see. I don't know whether it's going to end up being a game where of large scale combat or how much you know how big will it get is what i'm getting out mm. but i'm i'm hoping that the the board size and the number of models is is going to remain relatively constant actually so you just choose any different stuff on there rather than you know ending up with like 10 wings of fighters could get quite expensive couldn't it yeah i mean i think when when you're doing it for two separate forces yeah it would probably be good to pay. So we, I was on about splitting it with Ben. Um, yeah. But when we looked at it, because you get the rules in the Runesworld supplement. So we were like, oh, we could split it and then he could buy that. But then by the time he looked at it and he said, right, I've got to buy that. Then I've got to buy the baseboard and some tokens. And it, it just got a bit like, well, because I was going to do the Orcs. Um, cause you know what I'm like. I'm always happy to take one for the side and be the bad guys in these box sets. Yeah. I mean, you often have to have your arm pulled. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I put myself out there and do it. Um, <laughs> but when we worked it out, we were like, for £55, he might as well just buy his own. And plus, I wanted both sides in the end, really, because I was thinking, like, it's not something that everybody's going to dive in on. No. And, and that's, yeah, and then you'll have the set to play when people come over. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then we just need to wait then for the chaos. 
to come out. Oh, I'm going to have little baby Heldrakes, dude. It's going to be amazing. I could do like a nest. I could make a 40k nest with them coming oh, out of little eggs. Goodness sake. <laughs> I'm quite excited about the Eldar, actually. I really love Eldar aircraft. Yeah. I think they're really nice. Oh, yeah. And they'll look, they'll look lovely in that scale. And Oh, the best thing is... The Necrons, you'll look like you're being attacked by a miniature continental breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) How cute is that? (laughs) Oh, dear me. So, yeah, I'm going to... I'm really... (laughs) I am really hoping to do some videos. um, A little bit about it. Um, Come on, Dan. Explain to everybody how you prepared for your videos. I (laughs) meant... I may have Go been on. onto Amazon uh, and made a purchase of a certain hat <laughs> and, a, and a pipe. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah, it, watch out for next week's hobby update because it, it'll be biggles. It'll be ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's Aeronautica. Um, shall we talk about Space Marines? Um, the, with all the normal caveats that I have not actually hugely read all of the rules section in this book because I don't tend to dive into that part before the others. What I have been doing is looking at the um, the background side because um, if people have listened to us for a while, they know I had like a ton of questions about what happens now when you're making a space marine, effectively, from the ground up. And um, that's been answered, which is really, really cool. Um, so it talks through all of the, 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 the normal stuff that you get in the start of Space Marines Codex. Nice to see a lot of it's been rewritten in a variety of ways, but, um, and then it goes on to like some really cool stuff. So the making of the Space Marine and then the primary Space Marine is explained and they are kept slightly separate, but now when they're listing the Space Marine organs, it doesn't really differentiate, doesn't separate off the primaris ones. So, they're um they're kind of there within them what uh what it then does and this is my absolute favorite part of the whole book is there's a there's a two-page spread called in memoriam and it's the life of um ultramarines primaris battle brother gaius palandus and it talks through his career in the ultramarines um from the moment he's an aspirant all the way through to when he um cops it fighting um death guard in uh, in the first company and it perfectly it's the perfect way to explain what happens when a person's recruited and how the, what their journey through a, the chapter might typically look like because in the past it was it was fairly straightforward a marine was an aspirant or an aspirant came to be selected it was fairly standard that you know hundreds and hundreds per intake would die before they made it to the scout company and then um, the scout company would train them as space marines. They'd stay in the tenth company until they'd proven themselves, and they were, you know, biologically stable. And uh, and then they'd work their way through the Devastator Assault Company, um, Devastator, then Assault Company, and eventually, after having proven themselves in the reserve tactical companies, end up in one of the primary battle companies. And hopefully, if they're lucky, make it make it into the first company. 
Um, it's pretty much the same as that now, apart from there's a little kind of extra fine grain to it. So as they're working their way through these companies, they take on different roles. You, and, you know, they do, um, there's a cool bit in it where he spends a period of time driving a tank because that's his, that's his sort of placement in the tactical company. What sort um, of tank does it tell you? It does tell you, yeah. Right, let me just get the page back up and I closed it and put it down on the side. Uh, I'm going to have to find it now in this huge... I might fill the, the void with tank noises. There's a point where he gets so injured they uh, he has to like, spend a couple of months recovering. And he comes back so angry that they stick him stick him in a suit of aggressor armor yeah. and just say and just say go nuts. I remember basically. you saying that. Did um, you did you just pick up the codex, buddy, or did you pick up one of the supplements at all? No, I didn't. I, I didn't pick up my supplements. I really want to do that. Yeah. So Polandus was observed by the company's chapman as harboring a burning well of anger and hate that needed to be expunged before he could acquire the clarity required to join the battle companies. He was thus assigned to an aggressor squad, joining Strike First Callistus as they struck out to break the siege of Astoria. Yeah. (laughs) Working through your anger issues, Space Marine style. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, here we go, yeah. Upon advancing to the reserve battleline companies, Polandus served first as a crewman for a repulsor executioner, um, attached to a series of strike forces pushing back the orcs at the Charidon sector. He briefly reprised his vanguard role during the culmination of this campaign, fighting as an infiltrator. I love the fact that they're just alternating between roles as required, putting on whatever armour they need to do it. Yeah. Um, it was exemplary conduct during these operations that earned him the right to join an intercessor squad. Uh, Plundus took up the sacred bolt rifle and battled Tyranids on Hothsbane. A Hothsbane. Hot, there's a Freudian slip there. Um, it's really, really good. Really, really good. Um, it's a it's a fantastic way of doing it, um, and then a couple of pages later is my is my next favourite background page, um, where it talks about beyond the Ultima founding. So, um, the Awoken, the Indoctrinated, and the Ascended are the three kinds of um, Primaris. Um, the Awoken are the first ones, so the ones that were created over ten thousand years, um, you know, recruited shortly after the Heresy and beyond. And um, turned into like the first wave of Primaris that were released. The indoctrinated are the ones created by the Space Marine chapters um, using the equipment that they've been given by Gilliman. And then the Ascended are the are the ones that are um, going through the Rubicon Primaris, um, which is Does pretty it cool. Go into any more detail about the Rubicon Primaris? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but not not a great deal. I would. Really, I mean, I guess it's, um, it's ultimately a surgical procedure with some kind of spiritual elements, as yeah, it's all essentially good forty k yeah. things are. So they've already turned it into a little bit of a um, uh, of a, a mythology thing. So, uh, in short, could he cross the Rubicon Primaris to become a yet greater living weapon theorem for service, or would attempts to do so simply waste priceless societies? Lives at a time when the Imperium could ill afford to sacrifice its greatest defender. Records differ as to who the first spaceman to take this perilous, perilous leap of faith. Um, some say it was Minus Calgar of the Ultramines, or was it Kasaro Khan of the White Scars, ferocious master of the hunt, who first made this transition? Other chapters make their own claims, or else lament the tragic loss of those who tried and failed to ascend. 
Yet despite the losses suffered and the unspeakable agonies of undertaking the Primaris Ascension, more Battle Brothers cross the Rubicon with every passing day. So I love it when the 40k does that, that there's like this established thing. Minus Cargo was the first, but then other chapters are like, well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which I really like the idea idea of, because um, really the Rubicon isn't isn't like a magical device, and I, and I would really have hated it to be that. It was what happens if we open up a, um, a an Astartes and stick in the Primaris organs. You know, would they survive it when they're adults? That's the Rubicon Primaris, and it wouldn't have taken long before an apothecary in one of the other chapters was like, "Hmm, <laughs> let's see what happens." Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really chuffed with the background section. I do think that. It is paving the way towards the the Primaris becoming the norm, um, which it, it, I think how you take that depends on your view, really. I, and I'm I'm not I'm not massively opposed to it. I don't have an issue with it. Other people will do, um, but I think if you embrace it, it's quite exciting because there's a, just a future of of new new models and new stuff that's going to come out of that of that change. So it's pretty cool. Um, Rules-wise, I have to say, I'm not going to bring out any specifics, but the, the changes they've made, I think, really good. Really, really good. Love the extra attack. Um, love the changes they've made to the Space Wolf stuff. That's really cool. Well, the Primaris with the Space Wolf keyword. Ah. Sorry, I, I know I'm absolutely cracking at focusing entirely on what you're saying. Um, yeah, I don't worry. I'm used to it. It's like, uh, but I get the same level of engagement actually talking to the microphone. <laughs> me and my, me and my blue um, podcasting why, microphone on, have a much more interactive why. relationship. I'll tell you why. You in, you intrigued me about the Rubicon, so I looked up what it means. That's why. Okay. So, do you know what what where it comes from? The Rubicon. Yeah. Um, it is the change, isn't it? Or something like that. So, to, to cross the Rubicon means to make a decision or take a step that commits one to a specific course of action from which there is no turning back. The expression refers to a decision made by Julius Caesar. In 49 BC, Julius Caesar was the governor of Gaul, um, which meant he had to give up his power in Rome. He was expressly forbidden by the Roman Senate to bring his troops back to Italy. When Caesar crossed the Rubicon, a stream that separated Gaul from Rome, he sparked a civil war. And when oh. crossing the Rubicon, Caesar famously uttered, the die is cast, as he knew where this decision would inevitably take him. Isn't that cool? Well, there you go. That is cool. So, I'm very sorry for being distracted. But it's a bit of a history lesson, and I love it. So, we're but, good. But there we go. I've, I've just thrown that in there, so... So back to the rules that we're, we're renowned for knowing. Or not renowned for knowing. Yeah, absolutely. So the most important thing is, I've just spotted, having read through the FAQ, that Poxwalkers don't get the extra attack now. Um, oh, did they have good. the Astartes <laughs> rule, did they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Which would have been I love the idea horrific. of Poxwalkers with like a shock and awe assault. A shambling shock and awe. It's sort of like coming and then eventually they reach the enemy and the enemy is like, whoa, where did they come from? (laughs) 
So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that have become canon in there now, like the Bolter Discipline. Um, Shock Assault, people are probably well aware of by now. It's a plus one to attack when they're charged. Uh, when they're charging, sorry. Um, I, I think it's when they're charged as well, isn't it? Uh, if the unit makes a charge, is charged, yeah. So, yeah, basically, whenever they get in combat, they get to kick ass. Um, I'm just, you know what? I've, they should. They're, they're massive. They punch heads off of people by flicking them. You know, yeah, yeah. The, but I, I really think that they should. And I'm not, as much as I joked last time, Astartes should get it regardless of whether they're Primaris or Astartes. So I'm very happy that the Chaos ones have got it too. Um, yeah, really happy with that. Um, otherwise I haven't really gone through in a kind of fine look at the little bits way because I'm not prone to doing that. My brain doesn't work in that way, really. Um, what I normally do is, um, shamelessly watch everyone else's tactical analysis and form an in-depth opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, in my experience, I rock up having thought carefully about my list, played games, read my codex, set up against you, and you say, I don't really know what I'm doing, and then promptly smack my army around a bit. <laughs> then I have to go home. It's like me playing board games against my wife. I've always played 40k and fantasy by playing the army as I feel it should be played. Yeah. And if I remember the rules, then that's great, but... You know, when I play Space Marines, I do drop pod assaults and I play in a really tactical way. And I think, what would a Space Marine do? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, it is good though. Yeah. At least that way you can be pleased. I mean, there's every chaps, every codex you get a thing. Is with Slam Captain was the thing before. Now, apparently, Chain Captains are the thing. Um, What's a Chain but, Captain? Turns up ca- Captain with a chainsaw. Oh right, okay. Um, <laughs> Which, if you want to know how to do a conversion of one, Darren Latham did a great video on it. Oh, sweet! There I like go. the way he he does his um his captains with like the inceptor legs with jump packs. It looks great. I think they look awesome. Mm. So I guess with the new codex, then, um, how are you going to re- maintain your focus on green skins? And what would you like to do with the codex now that it's well? I'm very slowly creeping in back into my because the problem is with my space walls is i i labor on them too much mm-hmm. i don't just get them done i've got boxes of stuff that need putting together and painting the space walls but i'm very very keen to start messing around with my iron snakes again i just Doing downloaded it. today from audible brothers of the snake yeah and i pre-ordered double eagle for some aviation badassery. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about how to do them. And I was going to sort of zenith up with... Because the whole point of the Iron Snakes was that I could field apocalypse-level stuff if I needed to, but be able to take time on a model if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, just to make a company of Marines. That was the original idea. Um, tabletop standard. So I've been thinking about using um, the Vallejo metals, airbrush metals, mm-hmm. starting dark, bit of a zenith, and then black temper over the top, because I like the dark steel that's on the front of Brothers of the Snake. Yeah, yeah. I was re- really disappointed to see in the Space Marine Codex that they've done the Iron Snakes with the bright steel. Yeah. I know that's how people paint them, but 
I like them dark because they look like they should be gunmetal to me, like really deep, dark colours. Um, and then weathering powders, I think. Bit of chipping using a bright steel over the top. I had actually wondered about whether it would be worth doing chips and ceramite, see what that looked like. So the Space Minami armour plates are a ceramic, um, and they've been uh, often yeah. described as being cream rather than metal, so they would look like um like the ceramic plates on the on the outside of a of the shuttle. Um and uh I had thought about doing that, so because because the metal would be quite dark, it, you know, you can't chip metal with metal. No, I don't think it would look right. So I thought, what would happen if I sort of did the chipping with, um, I don't know, something like Rakarth flesh or um, maybe pallid witch flesh or something like that. Mm. Yeah, so well, it would certainly be interested to have a look. But I do think it's a good idea that that you bring. Basically, what you apply to your um, Stormcast and Nighthaunt, that kind of painting uh, approach to Space Marines. And I don't think, I think you're right to come away from your Space Walls and keep them as your, almost your showcase. Because your, your level of painting, even on stuff that you get, you're knocking out, your brush control is such that it's still really good. And your techniques mean that it's still really good, but quicker. Thanks, Steve. Um, so I think that's well worth doing. Um, and and the nice thing about it as well is it means that you will be able to field an Apocalypse Army. Um, and of course, you're probably going to want to revisit things and add in some of the newer units, but you've got a really nice core to start with um, for your Iron Snakes. And you can even, from a nar- narrative point of view, you can represent that point when... The well, Primaris join the fourth company, yes, because the fourth company is gone. Yeah, where is so, it? Ith- where is Ithaca? Ah, uh, no idea. Do you know? Do you know if, if it's which side of the Cicatrix Maledictum it is? Uh, I think it's on the the slightly better side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the slightly better side. The the not uh... oh, the not the oh crap side. Uh, do they have? A, they normally have a map. map is that a bit like thing. living in Plymouth, but coming from Mill Bay instead of Devonport? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> How many listeners have we just lost? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can say it because we've both lived in Plymouth. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no map. What's that about? There must be a map. I cannot believe there's not a map. Is there not? No, there's no map. Broken. Devastating. Oh, no. That's a surprise. I would have thought that's a fairly, like, a given page. No, no map that I could find. I've flicked through three times. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's that, then. So, I, I don't know where Ithaca is. in the Reef Stars in Segmentum Obscurus. Well, I knew it was in the Reef Stars, because um, that was Dan Ablett's little area, but I couldn't tell you where they were. Oh... Right, well, you keep talking, and I'll try and cover up the fact that we don't well, know this I'm, obvious thing. So the Segmentum Obscurus is right up the top. So they're... Oh, dear. They're in a bad... Yeah. Okay, so they'll be on the other side, I think. Really? Yeah, looks like it. Oh, dear. Um, 
Oh, I was just going to get the 40k um, rule book out because that'll have it in there. Yeah. The preparation for these podcasts could, like, save us ages. Oh, here we go. Right. Submentum Obscurus. Yeah, well, that's on the bad side. Bad day. Yeah. Where's the restarts then? Yeah. The, I mean, however you, <laughs> however you cut that, it's on the bad side of the. Uh... Mind you, says the Gothic sector. Yeah. So, um, you could have a. You need to paint up a lone custodian. Do I? Yeah, and and his little bodyguard of dudes. Well, not bodyguard. I don't know. Custodian would have a bodyguard, but you have a load of followers. Well, the one who brought the uh, yeah, who prim- brings the yeah. primaris stuff to him. That'd be sweet, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. They're such a superstitious bunch as well that I, I the um, iron snakes. I wonder how they would deal with it. Well, and that's interesting because I think that's where you can quite easily still see chapters where a significant number are um, still uh, non-primaris Astartes for exactly that reason. Um, and, yeah. and even envisage having, if not two chapters that are identical operating separately, but one primaris and one non-primaris, um, end up having successors, I suppose, created because the parent chapter will not accept the primaris yeah absolutely won't 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 let them in um and actually that in itself would then cast suspicion on the parent chapter and you you know you it, the opportunities for 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 narrative are are fantastic really yeah. really good um yeah so it's, it's a lovely i lovely kind of starting point for dan abnett to write a sequel for brothers of the snake really isn't it, it? oh absolutely very much so. Hint, 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 hint. hint. Yeah, yeah, because he's a regular <laughs> listener. Yeah, yeah. Oh keep, well, keep you never know. Um, no, that would that sounds immense. Can you imagine the flesh terrors? How that would go down? Not well. <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of Pinaris turning up at Cretacea. So, um, before we like fill the whole podcast full of speculation about. Space <laughs> Which chapter? Space Marines. Should we move on to some of the awesome stuff we saw at Nova Open, dude? Or not us personally, but on the reveal. I think that's a good idea. So we'll start right at the top because I think the first thing was the plastic howling banshee. Yeah. Although well, actually, it's, that it's comes from psychic awakening. Yeah, that comes from so yeah. psychic awakening. Then so, um, new campaign arc, uh, like the Vigilus books, much like Vigilus, but much bigger. Um, going to be more books. So, first thing I wanted to talk about with that was that um, I did see a comment, uh, and I did respond to it, actually, and, and I'm so sorry that I can't remember who it was from, but it was a fair comment, which was to say that it seemed almost cheeky to create a whole load of these separate books um, that you need to buy uh, to keep your army up Current. to date. Yeah. Um, and my initial feeling was, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. But then I thought, well, actually, let's reflect on what that allows to happen. So instead of having to wait four, five, six, maybe more years for your codex before you get any new models, these updates allow Games Workshop to revisit all the armies quite a lot more often, um, which I really like. 
I think his argument was, and I, and I agree, it's a fair one, that actually these update rules could well be done as a free PDF download to supplement your codex. Um, and I can't say I disagree with him because no, no, if I you agree. Ha- if you're having, you know, your Vigilus book had some in, and this one will have some in, and the, you'd end up with fifteen campaign books potentially over the next five years to try and stay current with your armies. Yeah, I wonder if what we'll see because I. What I would almost imagine is each book will have updates for a certain force, Unit or race so, yeah. in it. So yeah. I wonder if we'll see, like happened with Chaos when Shadow Spear came out. So Chaos got a Codex Mark II, which then had all the extra stuff in it. Um, so you didn't have to buy, you either had to buy the Vigilus book which then supplemented your Codex Chaos Mark One, Yeah. Or you bought the new Codex. Some yeah. absolute lunatics bought both, but you didn't have to do that. Really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... In fairness, I think it's a learning curve, isn't it? Because I, I actually... I've got... One of the things I'm really struggling with at the moment is, is keeping up with the books. Mm. There, there is a lot of them, and it is a little overwhelming. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not just talking about like keeping up with all the different books. If you're a collector, I mean, before, I mean, you only have to look at my shelf to know that I, if a codex came out, I bought it. Yeah. Um. Now I don't because I cannot. I cannot do that because if you think about like the Space Moon one for a start, if you book every, bought every supplement. You could end up spending two hundred pounds on Space Moon codexes, yes, which is this astonishing, really, when you think about it. But I'm th- I'm talking about core rules here. So if you play, let's just take for example what I play: Kill Team, Forty uh, K, Age of Signa, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Titanicus, uh, and Aeronautica. So, you know, there's been two. Two Necromunda books I haven't got because I haven't had the pennies and I've missed those and now I'm going to have to catch up. There's a book coming out on the day of release for Aeronautica. Um, they're rattling through books um, for Kill Team. I mean, we're on a third or fourth now. Yeah. You know, so it gets to a point where actually it feels a little, I just feel like sometimes I, I've lost track of what I have got and what I haven't got. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised one day if I walked into Games Workshop and go, oh, I need that, picked it up, brought it home, and was like, oh, I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there's been so many, I can't remember. Well, it's the um, same. As daft as that may seem. It goes back again to what we've said before about if, you know, what the offering now from, from um, Games Workshop's Worlds, there is enough for one single system that if you were only interested in that system, you would be kept Happy busy bunny. isn't yeah. there which means when you broaden yeah. that uh, we love the whole thing it, it is it is massive it, you know it does seem very overwhelming and then i guess the other part of it which is talking about the rules is you get back to that that old sort of um question of do you need to sell the rules for your game or is it enough just to make them available so and the reason I say that is thinking about the books. So say they're going to make a campaign. Well, they're going to do Psychic Awakening. If they 
only sold if they didn't put the or if the rules were available for free so all the rules were available but the background was obviously in the books and obviously they were selling would they sell enough of the books still and miniatures to make doing psychic awakening as an arc you know how much would they lose by not putting the rule by making the rules available separately they're only going to know if they try it. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. And would yeah. they sell any more, I suppose, is the other thing, isn't it? Well, to be honest, I, genuinely, I would buy other stuff. I would buy the book because I, I want, I, I'm a book guy. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah, there's yeah. people who aren't, but I, I'm a book guy. I love having a book, love opening the book, love the smell of a book. I love holding it. I love flicking through it. I love all of it. Um, so there will be people who are like that. But equally, I think um, the people who aren't, We'll buy more other stuff. Mm. You know? Oh, yeah. I think I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from, isn't it? It's like your pot of money is as Quite big nice. as it is. Yeah. And actually, especially for us, I suppose maybe it's different for us. But not just us, obviously, but maybe because you've got so many different types of hobbyists, haven't you? You've got people like us who... In truth, pretty much, probably ninety-five percent of my expendable income goes on goes to Games Workshop. That's where I spend that money because I don't spend, I don't buy computer games. I don't buy very, very rarely buy a board game. Um, I don't buy mobile games on my phone. I don't really go out. I, you know, apart from playing golf a few years ago, I don't go out and spend it on sport. I don't go to big events and festivals anymore so it just all goes on gw but then i suppose there are other people who would spend maybe 10 percent, and and then it's trying to win a bit more from them isn't it so sometimes it gets frustrating because it doesn't matter games which will get my money i just then i have to decide what it's going to go on and i'm like ah <laughs> but if you're one of those 10 percent people and say you're playing necromunda um and you're on we're on book four now. So rule book, gangs, and then two supplements. That's four books. If you if you're all of your income is going on keeping up with that, you're not buying the models. So you can't play the game. Whereas theoretically, if those books were free, that's thirty quid you could have spent on a piece of scenery. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Which would much for for me if I had if I was focusing on one game, I'd, I'd want to, it to be about the models making a nice board and that, but that's, you know, that's that. But I think it's what it sounds like it's doing, pushing the storyline forward, having a campaign running the shops that is going to dramatically and permanently affect the timeline of 40 K love that kind of stuff. Um, all of you good players get down to games workshop and thrash the chaos until their eyes are bleeding, because I cannot stand another massively catastrophic catastrophic event. We've had enough of them. Did you notice that the Dark Angel and Space Wolf players cried so hard that their own little symbols weren't on that thing, despite you know it being very clear that every faction was getting upgrades, that they went back and updated that picture to have the Space Wolf and Dark Angel symbols on? No, the Space Wolf and Dark Angel symbols are just so powerful they did it themselves. 
<laughs> they just manifested on there. They just manifested on there. So um, the ba- the plastic aspect warriors, man. Yeah, that's like, what I was I mean, saying. Oh, <laughs> it's such an exciting thing, um, especially when it's talking about a phoenix rising. I mean, are they going to get a new phoenix lord? Oh, of course. You they know, are. is oh, this? <laughs> I do not need an elder army. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I know, and that's the. <laughs> I must admit, um, I've been, I've, I've sketched out uh, a Space Moon army this week, and I've sketched out a Bill Tan Eldar army this week um, mm. as concepts and ideas, because these are things, these are revisiting things that were like some of the first things I explored in 40k, and therefore are extra exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've got so much Eldar kicking around that have come. People have given me or come in boxes as the second thing. I could probably start a decent army <laughs> just by accident. Yeah. So, um, what's nice is you can you can pretty much guarantee now we'll get plastics of all the aspect warriors. Um, oh, I hope so. And like you say, I think probably a new Phoenix Lord. Really exciting to see Eldar. It would be great to see Eldar as a key part of a story arc. Rather than yeah. just an add-on, uh, they've been um, they've been like backseat players for for a long, long time now. Like f- really long time, hmm. they've just sort of you know, been attacked by ty- the Tyranids and just about won, or turned up here and done that. Or I mean, I suppose when the Awakening of the Primark, they were massively instrumental. But again, they weren't. You know, they just sort of did it from the sides. I'd yeah. love them to be like. Just like properly there and just being awesome. I guess the challenge is that if you think about it, what you've just described is the background for the Eldar race. That I is know. what they do. So, I'm... but I do, I do know what you mean. Like once, a, once upon a time, they seemed like players. Yeah, and like when they made a decision that something was going to happen, it happened. That was it. Um, but not so much now. So. Well, it'll be great to see. And so, um, at, at risk of like glossing over the excitement of Aspect Warriors, let's talk a bit about Shrike. Yes. L- I love Shrike. Um, yeah, the hair, everyone's had a little thing about the hair, but you know what? I'm going to put it out right now. The Raven Guard are emos. Okay. They are. That's their aesthetic. I like it. I'm not an emo myself, but I like it on the Raven Guard. That's kind of them. <laughs> the fact that he looks a little bit like that is absolutely fine. And if he's jumping from the skies and massacring chaos while listening to him on his earphones, I just who cares? Yeah. Did you like the um thing I found online with the My Chemical Romance lyrics? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was yeah. cracking. Really good. And I love the model. Don't get me wrong. I love the model. Oh, he's so good. There's so many awesome details. Like, just just straight off the bat, it's a Primaris with officially with a beaky helmet. Yep. I would um, that is wicked. So I would put the beaky helmet on, but only because not because I don't like the hair, but because I I would like that as a homage to the previous model. Because that was a yeah. really distinctive thing about Shrike, as was. Well, you'd have to carve the one off of his belt. Yeah, well, that's why I was wondering... Well, I, don't, I haven't seen Sprue, so I is it cast on or is it separate? What, and have a head option? Mm, but yeah. then, if it was a head option, you see, 
I think they would have painted it up and shown us it as a head option. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, because that's what they normally do. I love the foot claws, man. Yeah. The foot, the, like the retractable foot claws. I love the fact he's been Phobos Army. He's like, right, give me your biggest jump pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, no, not that one. Your biggest jump pack. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I just, I can see him rattling down from space like a comet of hate. I think he's just fantastic. And he's got claws on each hand, but has like that silenced pistol and the claws can retract. That's the sort of thing that I just love in about the new Primaris is that someone's given it a bit of thought and thought, well, actually, what if he doesn't want to just use his claws all this time? How would he go about using a pistol? And the retractable claws does two things. One, it's really practical. And two, he's like Wolverine. So <laughs> this is just amazing. Sorry. Um, no, you're not. No, I am because, uh, but in truth, I was just looking at a message from my mum, uh, and the importance of that and the why that is relevant is because I'm trying to arrange her to come and spend time with Harriet and, um, Hannah and Joshua while I go to Warhammer World. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, that's why that was important. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me like that. I don't, I'm not sure if I like the uh, the fact that we have the screens now because I I can see how disapproving you are <laughs> of me. So yeah, so we were um, so we were talking yeah, Dan, talking about the aspects, weren't we? Dan? Talking about the aspect <laughs> warriors, weren't we? No, yeah. no. I also like the retractable claws, Ben. Good. And now I'm worried that you might have been on to talking about something else. Okay. I'm not going to tell you. Any- okay, well, tell you. there we go. I'm sure it was thrilling. <laughs> I'm sure it was thrilling. So, um, so it's it's fair to say that 40k is in an exciting place. We haven't finished yet. I know. This is sisters of battle. <laughs> I know. And then I was going to say, if you'd let me finish, it's fair to say that 40k is an exciting place, made all the more exciting by the sisters of battle. That was almost convincing, wasn't it? I'd completely forgotten them. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sisters of Battle. Go on then, get excited. I'm so happy. I am, I know, yeah, I am. I just think that they've done a cracking job. I do. There's a lot of things I'm interested in what, what we're seeing, so... Are they monopose? Are they, or are they full kits? So are they more like a status kit model, or are they more like, you know, the full primary sprue, for example? That that's something I'd be interested in. Same as they did with the stormcast. So, you know, you got the sequiturs and then the sequiturs. Um, interested in that. I'm not. I'm not going to be too bothered if they're monopose because the multipose will come out eventually anyway. So well, and also they're monopo. They've been monopos for flipping twenty years in metal. Yeah. Um. And um. And actually, there's a lot of models now in plastic. New models coming out that are monopos anyway, like characters, mm. and they they can be very intricate. But ultimately, they're still monopos. And at the very least, at least they're going to be easier to convert than they were. And they're yeah. still lovely. Yeah, they I are love, lovely. I love the fact that they're like tall and lithe. I love the fact that um, there's lots of helmets in there. Like there's a 
more helmets, the far more helmets than there ever were. Mm-hmm. Um, because I love the Sisters of Battle helmet. I think it's a very, very nicely designed helmet. I think um, originally when they came out, they didn't have any helmets, and then they went through like a redoing a bit later, yeah. didn't they? And they put helmets on them, and I remember thinking those are really sweet. When they brought out the Dominion squads, I think. Um, and the the flamey tank had yeah, a plastic yes, helmet. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Whatever that was called. The flamey tank. The flamey tank. It was called a... A... Retributor? Possibly? Maybe. The flamey Love... tank, yes. Okay. Um, Artwork article today? Looks yeah, looks, yes, loving yeah, the I love that front well. cover. Isn't that yeah. cover gorgeous? Isn't it just yeah. so forty k? Yeah, yeah, that's immense. Um, and the big battle where they're like unleashing doom upon the Tau. That's <laughs> like I love it. I love it because the Tau are like all about enlightenment and science and technology. And the sisters, the sisters are, are just not the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like... just not about that at all. No, and there's a there's the last of the front with a massive two handed sword yeah, about to cleave yeah. into them. It's like yeah, that reminds me of the Black Templar cover where there's the yeah absolutely munted Black Templar with all the scars on him. Like done it a few times. It's just charging hell for leather into the middle of him. Immolator, the flamey tank is called. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, sounds probably. My favourite thing so far has to be the Hospitaller. Mm-hmm. I just absolutely adore that. The the sister on the floor, like, reaching out for the light with her hand and holding on to her, like, little symbol. And the Hospitaller's there. I'm not really sure why she's there. Is she, like, saying the last rites or just sort of trying to help or decided that, nah. I think in but the... I, just... um, I think in the article about it, they suggest that the idea is that she's saying the last rites. Um, and, and it's that... It's that mix of Medicaid come chaplain type mm. thing, which is really interesting about the Sisters Hospitaller. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that she's actually now a full battle sister. So the original model, which I actually quite liked, was, was more of a stripped down armor, whereas this woman is it's a bit more akin to um Chaplain or something like that. Yeah, it's like taking an apothecary and a chaplain and mixing them up a bit, isn't it? Which is probably why you like it. I like it. it. Because that's like the wolf priest, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's just, I've just twigged on that. Um, I could talk about Battle Sisters for a long time, dude, but I'm very conscious <laughs> that this Galaxy of War is now at about 50 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and much as I know people love to listen to our dulcet tones, I'm sure they're itching to get to the uh, the mortal realms. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, um, guys, as ever, let us know what you think of the stuff that's coming out. You guys are great. You've been interacting a lot, actually. It's been really cool. Phone keeps going ping, 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 ping as we see some interesting stuff. But do keep keep us up to date. Tell us what you think. Uh, but for now, we are going to go and find ourselves a realm gate and travel through to the mortal realms. I'm just doing a rocking out face and it's a flipping podcast. I'm just mental.
and bursting into the forest like two mighty stormcasts comes the two peas chained together and on space hoppers. That reference will make sense later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes. it will. Yes, it will. Now, I could be listening into the community section, won't it? <laughs> Absolutely. If you want to know more, go and listen to the community section. So, the mortal realms, dude. Yeah. Tomb Kings, not Tomb Kings. Tomb Kings, not Tomb Kings. Right, so, the first challenge is pronunciation, isn't it? So, these guys No, it's not. Are... It's dead easy. It's tomb Kings. <laughs> <laughs> Samurai Team Key. No, I'm joking. They're lovely. Go on, do it. Whatever they're called. Osarak Bone Reap- Bone Reapers. Osarak. Osarak Bone Reapers. Osarak Bone Reapers. Mm. It's okay. We'll get. We'll go. We'll go to. Um. Well, no. There'll be a designer's commentary at some point, and they'll pronounce it, and we'll know then. Yeah, but then I. Uh, yeah, but then some of the designers called Hearth. He, he, Hearth? Called what? Hearth. I can't remember whose video I was listening to, but Hearth Troop, as in the troop of soldiers that fight around the hearth, as in where the fire is, or sleep around the hearth of the Lord, somebody kept pronouncing them the Hearth Troop. And I just, I've never shouted so much at a podcast in my life. It's like, <laughs> okay. what is a hearth? This, this was a hearth. Yeah. But there we go. <laughs> okay, so um, these guys are the guys that have come at the end of the tithe um, set of sort of teasers, with the idea being, I think, that they take a tithe of bones, which is then used to create their own legions, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because they're built, they're built, aren't they? They're not skeletons. They are war constructs, constructs made out of bone. Yeah, and um, that's quite cool because it means that you can have four-legged, four-armed, and multiple appendage creatures that make a bit more sense. Yeah, yeah. Without people looking at them and going, "Oh, I wonder what beastie that's the skeleton for." Well, yeah, it's not. It's just built to do that. So totally new range. Not a single miniature um, in the range from anything previous that I've seen, which has surprised me a bit because with them being so, well, harking back to the, perhaps a bit to the Tomb King stuff, um, you know, kits like the the Sphinx kit thing. Would have um, done really well in this range, I thought. Mm, but then maybe that's to do with... Um, Again, moving away from real world themes, Egyptian type themes. Hmm. But I don't know. So I think my favourite uh, model at the moment. Now, is it this guy? No one no. can see Dan. It's a podcast. No, I know, but I'm talking to myself. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Anytime, man. I don't know. I don't think it says. I like the Mortark. I think the Mortark is awesome. And I like the new meme going around where the dude's like, Nagash, you can't solve all of your problems by hiring a new Mortark. The hell I can't! Yeah, that's, I love that. <laughs> I love that. 
There's a floaty guy with a big scythe and stuff, but it doesn't say what... Well, I can't see it saying what he is, but I think he looks ace. Um, yeah, I love that as well. I think I still would like to see the four-armed guys in person. I did notice the other day, though, I, I didn't clock this the first time, It that they have four heads, like on one head. So they've got four faces, one on each side of the head. Ah. Um, and I love the idea of them spinning around either as they're destroyed or um, as they want to fight in a different style. So you imagine, because it says that they've got four souls within them. Um, so you can imagine them fighting in sort of a, a samurai-esque style and then switching heads and it being more of a western style. I, yeah, so I quite like that. Yeah. And I, I wonder if their rules will reflect that, to be honest. Um, when they come out. Yeah, well, yeah, it must do, because it says here, Necropolis Stalkers, for instance, are infused with the souls of four legendary warriors apiece, giving them the ability to shift personalities mid-battle in order to change their fighting style. So I would imagine the rules will show that. And then um, they've got war machines in the form of a weird flipping catapult thing with legs, which just is freaks me out. Or it would have freaked me out if I hadn't been watching so much of Dark Crystal. Because to be honest, if you can watch Dark Crystal, then no creature will ever again freak you out. Have they had the four, four-legged strider things in that yet? Mm. The big long-legged yeah, yeah. strider things. The big yeah, long-legged, yeah, yeah, seen yeah. them. Nothing compares, I'm going to go completely off topic now, nothing compares to a fizz gig though. Have you noticed fizz how gig. similar you look to a fizz gig actually? Just we your face, just, just your head, just your head. Yeah, but I love them, dude, so it's fine. It was when I read about them and it said, like, most of their body is just a mouth. I was like, so it's a furry squig. Yeah, Or a squig much. is a bold fizz gig. Flipping love Basically. them, mate. I want a fizz gig so much. I watched, I let Joshua... <laughs> I, I, I showed, Eat your house. I know, but I showed Joshua... It's like, a fizz gig is like a Warhammer take on a Tribble from Star Trek, isn't it? Yeah. Really? I showed Joshua a video on YouTube of some fizz gigs, uh, and he was like, no, Daddy, turn it off, they're scary. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude. (laughs) So now, like, when he wakes up at the night because he thinks his teddy bear's going to come alive and eat him, I'd be like, Harriet, what have you shown him? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, how did we get on the Fizgig? Oh, because because of the creature, the, the walkie stalky thing. Um and then yeah, so the Mortark. I I actually think my favourite model of the Mortark is the samurai looking bodyguard off to the left in the black. I really yeah. like that. I think my the amusing thing is that the samurai looking bodyguard feels that the massive dude that's four times the size of anything else with a shield the size of a small planet needs a bodyguard. Mm. (laughs) It's quite amusing in its own right. It's a great... It is is such a good model. It's like a little diorama, isn't it? It is, yeah, which is interesting. I I can't think when last I've seen... don't see that so often now, no. The Sister of Battle, a spitter that we just yeah, talked yeah, about, that's is true, yeah. quite diorama-esque. Yeah. Um, mm. I like it. I do. I like it. Mm. Uh, I, I've got to say, and this is an aesthetic thing, 
I won't be picking them up. They're not for me. Um, I really like a lot of the models in it, but they don't they don't float my boat in the same way as the um, Nighthorn, and I'm very keen on sort of keeping my Death Army to one Wartark. And mine that is for the best, though, because you can't you can't just do everything. <laughs> I, no, I'm in I the can't. same boat, so I don't. Although I keep flashing ideas for color schemes through my head, I I don't intend to pick them up either. But I do I do appreciate the models, and there's a lot of models that haven't haven't been shown yet as well. Yeah, oh yeah, they, yeah, there will be. Yeah, um, um, I mean that's not to say that in the future I won't get excited to pick up the Mortuck to paint. Oh yeah, because I, I do really like that model. But um, it's interesting that. I thought they were going to expand on Death Rattle. Yeah. I did. Um, but that's cool. It, it, Death needed a bit of, of fleshing out. I can't see them, there being another Death Faction anytime soon, though. I think that's probably our that's film quite a lot of Death now. Faction. I mean, it's incredible, really, when you think. Well, how, hang on, actually. How different it is. So you had Tomb Kings and Vampire Counts, didn't you? I suppose within Vampire Counts, you did have five different types of Vampire, which made the armies slightly different, but they were still building off the same core range of models. Yeah. So now you've got Death Flesh Eater Courts, which is Flesh Eater Courts. is really, and then you've got Legions of Nagash, which is kind of a coming together of many things, isn't it? Yeah. And then you've got Night Haunt, and you've got these guys um so that's at least five. four isn't it what five four death row but and you've got you obviously you've got the different mortarks because you've got lady Orlando. is she the mortark for the death for the night haunt yeah night haunt yeah I'm pretty okay, sure yeah. yeah yeah okay so it's good it's good it, you know it's definitely doing what the more round set out to do which is expanding stuff and and Doing different aesthetics and things, isn't it? He's a bit of a greedy bugger, isn't he, Nagash, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> but then he's got what, his own... What, what makes him think he's got the right to all the souls? Git. Yeah, well, these are like the Stormcast, his own Stormcast, aren't they? Yeah. In yeah, respects, they are. Which is pretty cool. Um, so, so that's those guys. Um, be interesting to see... A bit more about them once they get close to being released um, sometime this year. So not long left, you know, for them to come out. Especially when you consider we know that you've got them. We know there's an ogre thing in the offing of some description because we've seen an ogre. Um, And Cities of Sigma. Yep. And the Orcs. And the Orcs. Yeah, and the Orcs book. That's if they actually... Add anything to that? It could just be a book. I think those two are just going to be books, personally. But I think it would be such a missed opportunity if they don't do endless spells for Oryx. Oh, they'll do endless spells for Oryx, yeah, yeah. But I don't think we're going to see. You know, you've got enough green skins to paint anyway, dude. You don't. <laughs> you don't need a whole another load of models covered out, do you? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> No, <laughs> obviously not. So, um, we've also got for Warcry the first expansion, 
which at the moment looks to just be a case of adding. I don't, I don't think there's any new models. I know we were discussing the Chimera, but that that was from um, Storm of Magic. Um, so this just allows you to add monsters and mercenaries in. So again, it's more of that if you're just doing one game. Or, or maybe two games, just more content for you if you're really enjoying it. Yeah, it's just I'm astonished. It's it's one month later and you've got an expansion. It's just it's crazy. Because mm. now, if I wanted to get into Warcry, because I I did I, I missed picking it up last month because I was picking up Alien vs Predator stuff. Um, yes. I I don't. Now I've got an extra book to buy already. It's crazy. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you are... I, the, diff, the thing with Warcry, though, um, for me, is because the book... I don't think it's a hardback... Well, it won't be a hardback book, because the core rulebook isn't a hardback book. It'll be more I'm along less, the lines of Kill Team. I, yeah, I'm less inclined, I suppose, to pick them up. Because... Oh, what I'm excited about is that there's been pictures of the two... Uh, the the Dark Oath War Queen and Dark Oath um, Lord, whatever he's called, mm. um, and I d- I don't have an army of chaos. I have bits of chaos that I painted because they're in starters kits, etc. Um, but I, I I do utterly adore both of those models, and it gives me a good excuse to paint up, you know, the War Chief or whatever he's called. Forget, yeah. and a, and a good excuse to buy the War Queen. Actually, that's a great point because I've got the War Queen and the War Chief, and neither of them are painted. So, mm. yeah, I haven't considered that. Excellent point. Well made. Be doing I think them. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that is a good point. Mm, excellent. I was hoping, perhaps a bit greedy, really, that the Nova Open reveal would be the two unreleased war bands. Um, that are in the book, just just the pictures yeah. of them in the book. Uh, especially there's one which has like got a real fire feel to it. I can't remember what it's called, but they look just the just the silhouette. It looks really really cool. So I was hoping to see those. What in the hell is going on? There's four wolf spiders on the wall of my shed. They're coming through the door like a flipping wave. I'm under assault. <laughs> I've just heard a scream in the distance, and I think it's Dan Wosley. Just knowing that that is the, the case. Door. Do you reckon they're nesting under the shed? Now, now that they've noticed that I've noticed them, they both stopped and looking at me, and the <laughs> other two, have, and the other two have ran out the door. Okay, well that's because we're talking about monsters and mercenaries. Yeah, but I don't like the idea of them crawling over my feet when I'm painting. Ugh. Flipping you normally spiders. paint indoors, though, don't you? So it's okay. Well, I know you are technically indoors. You're in the shed, but mm. not just recording outside. Now, are you okay? Are you okay there to continue? Oh, yeah. I'm not spider-phobic. I just don't like... Spider-phobic? Well, arachnophobic. All what right. is that? <laughs> oh, one of them's off. He's gone. I looked away and he's run away. Okay. No, he's going up the wall. He's, he's, he's assaulting my paint rack. God, that's so big you could mount it and ride it into battle. 
Oh, that's right. uh, that could be part of the new spider fan grot range come <laughs> just... through your door. Right now right. that we've moved, uh, are we okay to move on from the stage by stage sort of description of the assault of your shed by the spider legions? Ah, that's another one coming in. What? <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh. Right. <clears throat> Let's move on. Uh, more snacks. Oh, I would like to talk about the new part work by Hatchet. Hatchet. What's it? Yeah. Okay. Hatchet job. Um. So conquest. Was it conquest for forty k? Conquest for forty k. It now has a mortal realms version. Um. So if people are interested in slow growing a stormcast or a nighthorn army, that might well be uh, up your street. Absolutely. Um. I think. I, I don't know why. I just suddenly looked at it and thought, oh, I would like to split that with somebody. And I was like, no, we don't need to do that. But yeah, it, and I feel sorry for you. You're going to have to get it, aren't you? Well, I, I, both of those armies are armies that I've developed a really a, a fast painting scheme that I'm reasonably happy with, um, particularly the Nighthorn. So, and I really wanted to have a lot of Nighthorn. And just from the starting issue, it's £2.99. And in it is 10 um, chain, chain rasp boards. So um, with the ones from the two starters kits, because I've got, I bought yours off of I'll have a proper little hoard of You'll have loads of those. Yeah. So I'm well excited about that. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely. awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what I, I've, I've, I subscribe to it already because what I suspect will happen, it will be a bit like Conquest and there'll be like a, they did that four month, a four week kind of tester release, didn't they? And then went on to do a full release. Um, do you remember there was like a gap of a couple of, like a month or so where it sort of disappeared and then came back again? Because at the moment, it doesn't seem to be much information about it. It seems to be quite, Low key. I'd have thought Games Workshop would have announced it, but they haven't. Um, and when they do, I'd quite like to see what the the whole you know the whole range is. The big kind of this is what yeah, you're going to yeah, get. Yeah. Because I'm hoping you'll get things like the, that. The do the, the character models um, for both sets. You know, because you get like the single uni part um, quick build characters. I haven't got any of those. Um, oh, that would be good then. I expect you will. Yeah, and, and I, the, uh, yeah, I'm quite excited about that. Really, um, the, the prospect of that. So, uh, if if it sort of looks like it'll make a really good army, then I'll go for it. But um, otherwise, the first four issues are great value anyway. No. Yeah, they certainly are. Um, I really want the beaker, the mug, the tankard thing. Yeah, um, but I can't subscribe just on the, <laughs> on the basis of getting that. Um, no, why not? Seems reasonable to me. Well, it's thirty-eight pounds a month. Yeah, it's a lot. Is, isn't it? is quite a lot. Um, like it's seven sixteen thirty-two. Thirty-two pounds a month. Yeah. Oh yeah, but isn't there? There's probably going to be one of the upgradey things, like they did for forty k in there. Yeah, but to be honest, that ended up just being a couple of bits of cardboard and a few extra boxes. Okay, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's not. I've got enough going on, hobby-wise. I don't need more. You're still looking at them spiders, aren't you? Any more arrived? Uh, the other one kind of gone back out the door. One's gone up behind the bookcase. It's not going to have much luck in there, to be honest. 
Those are just uh, the foot troops. Wait till they come in for flinging with web flingers. Start bombarding well, it's that, you. It's that time of year, isn't it, where they all come in the house to look for somewhere to sleep or something? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I went. You know, I went to a National Trust property today, and they had stuff about autumn walks, and I was like, "Oh, blimmin' heck!" I was like time is powering on, isn't it? Again, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. But there we are. Not to worry. Um. Yeah, so that's good. And then there was some stuff about Underworlds, but it wasn't any more miniatures shown um, from Beast Grave. It was to do with Grand Masters. They're going to do Global Championship Finals. Yeah. Um, so that's more info on that next month. Um, good listening to... Flipping heck, I'm terrible. I'm really sorry, guys, because preparation this time has been a bit shocking from my part, especially because I'm just bumbling through. But I was listening to the Stormcast, the latest Stormcast. Um, Now, I'm just literally what I'm doing is trying to talk uh, long enough to look up because I've completely forgotten... Uh, oh, we watch too much, don't we? On ah, here we go. Dave Sanders, right? Oh yeah, really interesting to listen to that because he was key. He he was behind Underworlds, the first iteration of Underworlds, and it was really interesting listening to him talking about the development process that they went through and how, like, they tried really hard to make a watertight competitive system, and then within moments of it coming out realized that he hadn't made a watertight competitive system and then like revisited it really humble guy and listening to his thought process and and stuff like so that you just don't think about so the activations so sorry the tokens the effects that happen on your warrior so originally those were just just tokens just a way of representing things whereas now they they can be put on people. So, like, you you have warbands that will exhaust your fighters or, or what have you mm. um, as as an offensive ability. Um, mm. And he talks a bit about that and the, the evolution of that. So I, I really like... I found it really interesting. So if you want to listen to something a little bit more professional, um, you can certainly head over and listen to, to Stormcast <laughs> episode 19 because it's really good. I mean, I, I do enjoy them. I, it's it's really it's a mark of how much awesome is out there now that I am really struggling to decide what to listen to. Um, I've been listening to the scouring of the Shire again because of my excitement around Mortal Realms, trying to get through um, the uh, Soul Wars book. I'm part way through Prospero Burns. And I've just downloaded Double Eagle and Iron Snakes. Oh, Brothers of Snake for 40k. And now I'm talking about, you know, I'm keeping up to date with all the Stormcast. Watching, um, uh, I'm watching, um, Dark Crystal. So there's <laughs> plenty to have on in the background when you're hopping. Double in. Eagle is so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I know. Got to listen to that. So yeah, um, if you if you listen to the whole podcast, you you know there's a clearly a disparity between how the amount of excitement and length of the 40k section 
uh, this time, but I think there was a bit more detail. Obviously, there was one big release um, for the Mortal Realms, and that was great to see the models. We don't have a lot of detail on what that army is going to do, how it's going to operate, how it's going to fight. Um, and and again, whilst Ben and I both appreciated the models, not something that we're gonna we're we're likely to collect at this point. Um, whereas for forty k, um, that was slightly different this month. So, um, but I'm sure that dynamic will shift at some point. Um, certainly, once I get all my chaos painted, I'm gonna do something different because it's just mad, just constant cornate madness. I am painting up my um, war shrine at the moment, though. So that's... no one believes you. <laughs> no one, no. How many times have you said that on this podcast? Oh yeah, I've, to, I've finished with corn. It's all. I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to no. Just no. If you do something different, it will be another chaos army. Well, yeah. There's no point doing anything rubbish, is there? <laughs> Anyway, um, I think, unless you have anything further to add, um, that... Don't we... Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I, the funny thing is, I've done... I'm doing more Age of Sigma than anything else. I'm just constantly painting orcs at the moment. Um, so, the, yeah, my hobby is mostly Age of Sigma, but... Um, I don't really have much more to say on that here that I haven't already said in um, in the hobby desk, really. No. So. No. Okie dokie. Well, in that case, then, thank you all for listening to our brief, somewhat brief foray through um, the Mortal Realms, although we've still managed to... Go gonna... check us out next week. <sighs> You've just spoiled my ending. But it's worth spoiling your engine ending with with Gotrex coming out next week. Okay, I I will I will let you know what. Yeah, it will become apparent what I mean in a minute. Um, so Gotrex is coming out next week from Black Library. What a miniature! Love him. Love everything about him. I I'm I'm so I I really want to pick him up. Uh, he is absolutely fantastic. Um, I I love. Realm Slayer. I really loved it. I remember the first time, because I, I picked it up because I was like, I was so happy that Brian Blessed was in it. And I thought, well, it's no good harping on about being happy Brian's in it and then not buying it. Because then mm. I've just done nothing to, to kind of suggest that I'd like to see more. Um, yeah. So I bought it and we put the first CD on and within 10 minutes I went to sleep. And that's not because of the quality of the audio. It's because I'd Become very unwell in Warhammer World. Uh, some kind of sickness blight that I seem to have catched, caught, sorry, the last couple of times I've been up there. Um, I often found at the bottom of a pint glass as well, strangely. <laughs> uh, I, so a, a very strange sickness, that. But I have since gone back and listened to it properly, and it's fantastic. And I really can't wait for the next one, if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah. Done? I'm done, yeah, 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 yeah. So, thank you for joining us on our brief sojourn, or whatever, however the pronunciation for that is, through the mortal <laughs> realms. <laughs> and I had but one thing left to leave us with, and that is... 
Go Trex Alive! <laughs> yeah, okay, I ruined it. <laughs> I really hope that's not just woken Joshua up. <laughs> Catch you in the community, guys. community guys thank you for listening thus far if you've uh, got all the way to here um and if you've just pinged in at this point probably very wise um because it's our favorite section this is our favorite section it always is our favorite section so um plenty to talk about uh in the community today um but we want to start out with a little bit of an update around us really and what we're doing um uh, as the two peas moving forward so some exciting news, really. We have, over the last couple of weeks, um, welcomed uh, four guys uh, onto the team, I suppose, if you will, uh, for various reasons, but mostly focused around the Facebook page. Okay, so um, I know you guys are great for interacting with us, and we really like that, and we really appreciate that you want to do so. Um, so if it's uh, directly with the P's, um the, the, the hobby group and um, Twitter and Instagram is just me and Ben at the moment. But with the page, we wanted really to, to get more stuff out there. Um, more of the news that comes out, more cool stuff that we see, share more of your events, get a bit more interaction and then hopefully drive more people to listen to the podcast um, or become more involved in the hobby group. So to do that, we have welcomed Ben the Bass, who we talk about all the time. Uh, and Ben is focusing on uh, sharing cool 40k stuff. Um, we've we've welcomed Chris. Um, I what do I call Chris, dude? I think Chris the background legend. I'll call him that. It's a bit long winded. It bit is. Of a or, or, no, Chris the narrative legend. I think would do. Why don't you just call him Narrative Chris? Narrative Chris. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why you're the names guy, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> you came up with Two Piece Podcast. So Narrative Chris. Um, has joined us so he's going to be focusing around uh, Necromunda um, and um, because he's he's, he's well, he just loves it uh, and he's also doing a blog um, but he's going to talk a bit more about that when he comes onto the podcast um, we've got what what on earth do we call Dan what elf wandering Dan yeah wandering Dan I'm sure we've got a name scared to death of spiders Dan yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. Dan, who <laughs> levitated across his room in his underpants to avoid touching Dan the Dan the arachnophobe, that's what <laughs> we call him. That was incredible. Uh, I wish we'd recorded that for YouTube. So Dan is uh, loves his Age of Sigma and is going to be uh, make, trying to keep some regular Age of Sigma content up. And then well, he's nine-inch charge, isn't he? Nine-inch charge, nine-inch Dan. <laughs> Let's not call him that. <laughs> we don't want to outright lie on our podcast, so we're not going to call him that. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Right, so Nine Inch Dan um, is going to be keeping up. And last but by no means least, um, Tom, Tom the Tank, uh, he, he's going to be getting involved. Are you all right there? <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Ben the bass, narrative Chris, nine inch Dan, and Tom the tank. <laughs> we we have been recruiting some top quality individuals, mate. 
Oh my days. So um yeah. Uh so Tom the Tank gonna be probably hopping on a bit of 40k because he loves it and we want the guys to do stuff they're inspired by. Um but also Lord of the Rings and but we'll talk a bit about about his involvement with that when we get into the Journey to Middle Earth section. Um I really with Ben. Ben's just sorry, Ben is just like <laughs> collapsed. So- <coughs> I'm good, you carry on. I'll just keep talking. <laughs> That's totally tickled me, I'm sorry. <laughs> so as you guys know, Ben and I uh, both have young families, and some of those guys as well that we just mentioned to as well. Um, and we kind of think that if we share it out a little bit, we can get a bit more out there. Um, but what we will be doing, if, if anywhere anywhere other than the page where it's those guys, um, will be really clear, because we want to celebrate their hobby and what they do and the last thing we want to do is put everything up as the two peas and um essentially not give them credit for the cool stuff that they do in the hobby so chris is doing a blog and that's going to be you know that's that's very much his thing and it's really clear and then over time our hope is that we can grow um the guys that work with us doing that stuff and sharing cool things and our patrons as well and people that are friends of the show well anyone really that wants to get involved and and gather i suppose so uh, you know the dream is to invade warhammer world um dressed up in giant pea suits so it just looks mental um on space hoppers i think that would be brilliant green space hoppers invading warhammer world on green space hoppers yeah that would be brilliant wouldn't it it'd be hell of a space hopper for me and you mine wouldn't it (laughs) <laughs> we could chain ours together and then be like a squig squig. We, we could just go straight in and attack the Bakewell tarts that's where I'd be going <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a mangler squig madness so that's some exciting news uh, from that point of view so welcome to those guys and thank you very much um, known those guys for a long time and just, just, to, just to completely clarify um when when you're when there's a post that comes up on the Facebook page, it will say from the two Ps, um, but we will we're going to put people's names at the bottom of it, and if we respond to that post, either Dan or I or one of the guys will bracket and put our name who we're talk who's talking at the end, so that people know who they're interacting with. If it's a really um, good interaction, <clears throat> I will go in and edit it to just be my name. Um, right okay because what we want the two what we want the 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 page to do is share our content the stuff that we're doing our hobby desk and all of that but also be a decent source of news and finding things for you guys because we do work really close to you they're our little hobby circle they're they're who we get ideas from and who hopefully get ideas from us and you know who we seek out when we're asking for criticism and feedback. So they are, they are as much a part of the podcast in a way and have been for 47 episodes as, you know, then as they are now, it's just that they're going to be helping us to put more importantly, they bring snacks. Yeah. So anyway, covered off that important factor. Tumbleweed finish there. Good. It's all right. We've got to bring it back down after your outburst. <laughs> yeah. He's off again. My I'm sorry for embarrassing us. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 
Moving on. Ben, it, you need to do your shout-outs now that we've got a exciting new expansion plans. Yeah, I do need to do our shout-outs. So I've got three from Instagram today who I'm really excited to share. Um, the first one is um, a chap called Christian Clausen, who um, has essentially caught my eye at the moment because um, I've <laughs> of his goblins, um, which... It's not surprising that I have all of the hashtag goblin, hashtag gloomspike gits, all pegged, um, linked into my Instagram. So they come up and his goblins came up and I really love the style of them. But on looking through his, his incredible Instagram page, um, there's some other really exciting things in there at the moment. Um, really cool sort of tie into a lot of the things that we're thinking about. His Lord of the Rings collection. Of, of painted miniatures. It's just stunning. Um, so Christian Clausen, and he is on there as Christian Paints Minis. And um, I would really strongly recommend anyone who just likes miniature painting to, to give him a follow because he's got some really cracking stuff on there. Um, and it, it's very much in the style that I like as well, which is useful, um, very realistic. Um, and I'm rather jealous, actually, of his goblin bases, but, you know, we won't go there. What I particularly like that stands out by country mile for me is his Theoden, where yeah, he's done I was it in non-metal metallics, and he's done each individual scale and mate. <laughs> it's yeah, good. Very, very good. Um so that's Christian. Um the next one on the list is a chap called Requiem eighty two. I'm sorry I don't know what your actual name is. I'd like to <clears throat> pop him on the list because um, of his conversion of a Ogryn carrying a commissar um, who's been injured. I think it's absolutely wonderful. There's so much character involved. And when you actually look at the green stuff work he's done on it, it's insane. And going through his page the other day, having sort of it caught my eye again because he, he converted it a while ago and he's been painting it recently. Um, the, the, his green stuff work is really superb. And there's a character a little way back that is when I started following him. It's a dude in a t-shirt with a sort of smiley face on with a, um, a pet dog and a long trench coat that reminds me of the Punisher, but with a white <laughs> t-shirt, um, which is, oh, yeah. I've yeah, it's what caught me up my eye originally. But some fantastic green stuff work. So um if if you're interested in sort of converting and green stuffing, it's some really cool stuff on there. But you know, if nothing else, um just an awesome guy to be following on Instagram because his his painting style is amazing and and the models he's coming out with is just absolute class. Um standout for me has to be green stuff wise, a um Sister of Battle that you did a while ago, which is basically the entire thing is green stuff, and it it's just it's just awesome, absolutely awesome. I would very very much like to be able to green stuff like that, dude. I know, but I know. You could just sculpt what you wanted, but there we go. That's that's that one. Um, that's Requiem eighty two Requiem underscore eighty two on um, Instagram. Love and grim dark, that lovely grim dark kind of style of painting as well, which is really cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, and the last one, in tying into our competition, which we'll segue on to in a minute, 
is a chap called Sol Vince, which I can't remember whether we've called him out before. Quite possibly, but actually I don't I don't care if we have, because the guy needs shouting out regularly and often when it comes to scenery. Because his scenery for Lord uh, for Lord of the Rings for Necromunda is the bomb. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. To the point where if you're scrolling through his feed and it's been painted, every now and again he has pictures of like um source material, of reference material, things that have inspired him. And you could scroll past that and assume that he's made it because everything else looks so flipping good. <laughs> it's it's just absolutely wicked. And I mean what, what have I just gone past there that I've made as a portaloo. With a, it's just insane. Absolutely brilliant. So yeah, he is um Sol underscore Vince. Um he describes himself as a Blanchitzo conversionist and a terrain addict, which I think is pretty ad- accurate. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's my three. Um, three absolutely outstanding hobbyists um, who deserve our love and support. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had a flick through those before you shouted them out. Really stunning. Really good. So, um, as normal, it falls to me to have the glory of looking through the two-piece hobby forum um, and looking at what I think is cool and shouting it out uh, and trying not to be totally biased and just shout out chaos things. Um, Apparently (laughs) there are other races. I don't know what's going on there. Um, But as ever, some really good stuff, really active. So thank you for that. So the first thing I want to start out with, Ben, is um, Ian Minto. So he has um, not put up a picture of himself, uh, but... A Legio Mortis Warlord Titan is he's working on. And I really, really like it. He's used the uh, what looks to be the, the crackle paint uh, on the armor plates to start getting some of the, um, that kind of, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Metal falling apart. <laughs> That's very detailed. Rust? Um, no, corrosion, I think I'm Corrosion, okay. Um on there, which I think looks really good. So um, great job and a massive project. So I'm looking forward to seeing that coming together. Um, it's really quite exceptional, isn't it? It is good, um, isn't it? And it's big. It must take some real hobby kahunas to <laughs> to um, corrode and rust a Warlord Titan. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, can't carry on really without shouting out Garant's St. Celestine. Um, so Garant does some stunning individual models. Um and it's always cool to see them coming together up in uh, Warhammer Cribs because uh, Garant's the manager up there. And obviously, Celestine at the moment is particularly poignant because the sisters of battle are on the way. Um, so that's that's Ace. He's actually painting that as um, as a, a, prize, isn't it? a prize for a customer. Mm. So um, from one of their, I think from one of their auction type events um, that they do. So that looks Ace really like that. And then lastly... Um, it's, can I just intersect yeah, with that one? Because I, yeah. I I really like the non-metal metallic on that. When I first saw it, I thought it was Retributor armor. Yeah, it looks that good. And he's over the two and a half years we've been doing this podcast, his non-metal metallics have come on massively. Absolutely amazing progress. So just goes to show if you if that's what you 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 know your bag is and you keep working at it. Yep. Yep, they're with the rest of them. Yep. 
Um, so lastly, Tim Barkley and his ale guzzler gargant, which is actually guzzling ale. It's stupendous. It's amazing. And it's, it's like got the Brian Blessed of Gargants. Uh, yes. yes, it is. <laughs> yes, you can imagine it shouting Gargants alive, can't you? Waving that crow's nest around. So I think that's superb. So, yeah, really good. So three great <laughs> examples of uh, of the hobby group, I feel. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they're all, they're all fantastic. And... Um, that Gail, El Gargan, it fits in. He's got a lovely little army coming together of just mental pirate destruction, which is excellent. <laughs> that excellent. sounds like the headline for some kind of metal band, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Mental pirate destruction. Ailstorm's so, latest album. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> moving on again to uh, competition. So in the hobby group, um, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, we have a monthly themed competition. Um, And then every quarter, we post up the three winners from the competition. And um, we give away a little prize uh, via Curtain Games, which is uh, uh, some friends of the show, friends of ours that we've been to see. And they very kindly... um, Offered to support the prizes. Offered to support the prizes. And um, the great thing with Curtain is they just do so many cool events, don't they, for the hobby. And in a part of the world where you'd be like, I won't find a hobby shop here like with a few paints and a brush, let alone Mm. a proper hobby goings-on place. So um, thank you very much to those guys. But on to the winner. So the, the winner from the last three months is Rob Davis with his absolutely fantastic Ober on the Bold, I think his name is, isn't it? Yeah. Which is the Stormcast with the double-handed hammer from the Shadespire starter set. Um, and they're also in their own little bundle now. Steelhearts Champions, I think they're called. Really, yeah, that's right. yeah. really nice. Um, watched it develop as he painted it up, didn't we? And it, it just looks great. Um, and all three entries were excellent, but this one did stand out. And uh, so big congratulations to him. Um, what we'll do, dude, is we will direct message you and get you in contact with um, Curtain to sort you out with some some cool goodies, which then you do need to paint up and post in the hobby forum because, uh, you know, nothing for free, dude. Nothing for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then moving into September. So August uh, was Fields of war i think i called it i do forget but i found a cool picture um but yep, it was and that would have terrain. closed the day we were recording this so yeah so or the day after we we're recording this unsurprisingly not as many i didn't see as many entries um for that one but that's tough, fair enough. tough category isn't it tough really. category you can't you know you can't do everything so um that's cool so if you uh if you do want to enter that It'll be too late by the time you're listening. So, um, <laughs> sorry, wait till next time. And, uh, but September, um, perhaps somewhat unsurprisingly, I have decided to call Aces High, um, in homage to Iron Maiden's song, because I love it. Um, and also aircraft zoomy things. So with Aeronautica <laughs> Imperialis on the, on the horizon, I felt it was appropriate, but it's not just limited to that. Um, there's innumerable model aircraft out there of all shapes and sizes for all different game systems. And it would be really good to see a range of different things. Um, so, you know, if if you feel that uh, a Stormbird from Forge World is appropriate, please do. 
Um, or if you think a Lancaster bomber, go for that. Or both, even, you know? So It can also be... Well, it's anything that's flying, really, would accept you. Yeah, any, so yeah, absolutely. Jet, so. jet bikes, um, land speeders from Legion, Star Wars Legion. Dragons. You know, dragons, really. Boy, I would accept dragons. Eagles. You know, anything on wings. Or I think, would we accept jump packs and that kind of stuff? No. No, I think it would probably be better. We'll land speeders, another, we would. We'll do another category for that. Unless it's remote controlled, if it was a remote controlled jump pack marine, I'd have to. That Just has to happen now. Top comedy value. Just get some of those rocket motors from like model rockets and attach to it. That'd be quite awkward, actually, wouldn't it? God. <laughs> oh. So yeah, so Ace is high for September. Um, so I think that brings us hurtling on towards um, events. Events. So, <laughs> I'll lead us out with this one. You are going to go forth. So, like we've, we've just mentioned, um, probably one of the most prolific hosts of events in our area is um, it's Curtain Games, and they're based in Crediton. And like Dan said, Crediton is is <laughs> relatively remote. It's not like that central at all, um, down some back roads out the back of Exeter and you'll find in Crediton, really you would only expect to find a little shop with maybe a couple of paints, etc, etc. But what they have set up there and continue to drive forward with some significant passion and energy, considering that they're all busy people, um, is quite astonishing. And a homage to it, really, is to go on their events page on on facebook and just marvel at the amount of events that they're putting on down it is insane and not only is it events for stuff that's already going but um new events for new games as well so i'm um, for example um there's a Warcry tournament coming up which we'll cover in a second um so absolutely driving forward the events in our area really so excellent to have them around um so let's go through what they've got going on. It's August the 30th where we're recording this, um, and it will be released on uh, Wednesday the 4th. So we'll do the events from um, there on out. So uh, this weekend, uh, Age of Sigma, Blood, Death and Vengeance, which is a um, tournament uh, up at uh, well, up at Curtain Games that is Age of Sigma, and it's... Um, Pretty standard setup for tournaments. Um, 2000 point army pitch battle profile from the battle tomes. Um, their Age of Sigma events are ace. They drag in people from all over the south of England for that. So people are traveling to that. So you you might find some famous peoples there, like um, pro painted and stuff like that. Um, Crocodile Tears, which is quite a cool name for a Warcry tournament, is on the 8th of September, which is the Sunday. Um, why would it be called Crocodile Tears with a K, or am I completely missing a bit of background there, Dan? No idea. Unless a no idea. sump croc is going to turn up. Although that's spelt with a C, so maybe not. Because mm. that's why a sump What is cool is that there are event-organised goodies for this, so medals and all sorts of stuff. 
um, which is nice to see Games Workshop supporting that um, and giving people like um, prizes to hand out. Um, September the 14th, really tough to see that these are, are happening with some regularity. Battlefields of Middle-earth, we're on number six for this one. So that's um, Lord of the Rings game. Um, and that's uh, 750 points and must follow the Alliance Matrix for that. Um, so if you're interested in playing um, Lord of the Rings in a tournament, then that's probably be a good one. I really like competitive Lord of the Rings, actually, Dan. It's always yeah. quite fun, I find. Yeah, I do, yeah. It's, you can get really quite fiddly into it. Um, yeah, I quite like it. Keyforge Sealed Deck Tournament on September the 14th. That's a card game if you're interested in Keyforge. Or because it's a sealed deck tournament, if you know the rules basically, you don't need anything else, just turn up, buy a deck, get on with it. Um, I've heard quite good things about Keyforge from that respect, actually, Dan. Mm. Um, and then September the 27th um, and September the 28th are Saturday and Friday pre-release events for the Throne of Eldraine, um, which is um, something that Magic I've not heard Gathering. of. Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Is that the next iteration, is it? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So if you're into Magic the Gathering, that's going on there. Um, and then finally, something that they've got a bit of a reputation for, um, X-Wing event. The Road to the Worlds Extended um, is on Saturday the 28th. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I've missed that. The day, on the same day as well. Um, on Saturday the 28th is Star Wars Legion Ground Assault Tournament. So loads going on there. And just to look a little bit forward, Kurtonian Carnage, which is their 40k series. Um, and that is uh, on October the 5th on the Saturday. So tons of events. Um, that's just September, October. They've got, well, start of October, they've got stuff pegged right up, um, until the start of December. So do have a look. Do go on there, um, and explore what's going on in your area. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to pick up with Terra Games. So Terra have got a couple of things running at the moment, regular things. So every Sunday, they've got the Terra Realms ladder campaign for Age of Sigmar. Um, and they've also got um, the Terranian Ladder campaign for 40k. Um, they also do a regular painting competition. Um, so there's only a few days left for this this competition, but that's worth looking into as well. And there's a 40k doubles campaign that runs every Saturday. Uh, with regards to one-off events, so Terranian Kill Team um, is running on the 8th of September. Um, there's 15 people down to go to that so far, so that's definitely worth looking out, out at, and that's a 10 o'clock start on the Sunday. Um, and then they too have the Throne of Eldraine pre-release events on the 27th and 28th of September, oh, and the 29th of September even, um, for Magic the Gathering. So, um, yeah, some good stuff coming along from those guys. Um, and then moving up closer to myself, which is Bristol Independent Gaming, so those guys have um, Kill Team Friday um, going on every Friday. So that's uh, that's like a, a regular thing. And I've already spoken about the third, every other Thursday Vanguard not Vanguard Gaming Nights. Unfortunately, I couldn't make the least the most recent ones wasn't very well. Um, there's uh, the Guardians Call to Moria. So that's September the seventh, um, Lord of the Rings event at Bristol Independent. And then the same day, there's a Kings of War tournament as well. 
uh, down there. So if that's your thing, um, you can get head along to that. Um, there's a Night Vault tournament on the 15th of September. Um, Autumn Tides 40k tournament on the 22nd of September. There's a Saga tournament for the Age of Magic. Now that's looking a little bit further ahead on the 20th of October, but I just thought it was interesting to mention because I've heard some, some good things about that game. Um, and how it works. So yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff coming from from Jim down at Big. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Cool. I think there I... was one one more which was um, not uh, related to either of those two guys, and that was from the hobby uh, group pages. Uh, Simon James Lee has posted up scouting for shade glass. So that's Saturday the fourteenth of September, ten till six um, in Bodmin. At the yeah. uh, the scout meeting place, it's twelve pound fifty entry. Um, which yeah. scout meeting place does it say, dude? Because there is in fact third, two in Bobmin. Very bizarrely, third Bobmin Scouts. I think that's the one beacon up by Road. the Beacon. Yeah, yeah up on the Beacon. beacon so yeah. the, don't yeah. mix that up with the one near the industrial estate. Um, it's quite easy to do that. Yeah. Um, one last shout out is not to do events because they haven't got any. Um, pegged up apart from the pre-release for the Throne of Eldraine um, is Imperial Games in Exeter because we haven't mentioned them before and um, do, if anyone knows Exeter it's it's near the bus station in the centre in um, a little shop in there it's a nice big floor pan plenty of tables, really nice guys running it and really keen to support the community um, around them and um, if you're in and around Exeter and you haven't heard of them or haven't checked them out, then well worth going down and having a look. Absolutely. So one last thing to shout out um, from a community perspective, and it's something that is quite close to my heart. Um, and I know you, Ben, as well, uh, is something that you, know, you feel quite strongly about. And that is... Um, a charity raffle, which is going on, or, or bids, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Um, blind bids. Yeah, blind bids, um, all in the aid of the Calm charity, which is working to increase awareness um, and provide uh, for someone for men to talk to um, due to the fact that suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK. So... Quite a serious moment uh, on what is normally a jovial podcast. It is a beautiful army, um, re- but also a really important thing um, and subject. And and we are really lucky. We have um, listeners for male, ma- male and female listeners. So it's not to take away from from uh, the the ladies that are listening, uh, but this one's very focused on, on men because of that statistic, and it's a really scary statistic um, to be honest. And it can be tough to reach out and talk and i think this is an absolutely fantastic piece of work that's being done so that is we have posted up all the details but importantly if you want to bid on that um in fact i might pin that to the top of the page ben um just up and yeah i think that's a good idea that's yeah. that's what i'll do so i'll pin that to the top of the page so it's easy to find um but you can email 40 hours of 40k at gmail.com um, with your bid by the um, by six o'clock on Sunday the eighth of September, or you can visit Imps Gaming, which is an event venue in Lincoln, on the eighth of September. 
Um, but a stunning army, a really fantastic cause. Um, so do check that out. And uh, if you can, if it's if it's your thing, offer it your support. Yeah, it's a it's a tough to- topic, and it is one that is close to my heart. I've worked in psychiatry before, um, and as as a male GP, I quite often get see people struggling with this, and both I'm sure Dan won't mind me saying, but both Dan and I have struggled with the black dog in the past no um and it's often talking to each other that's made us feel a lot better dragged us through some difficult times yeah. um yeah. and it, you know if you are struggling and you're listening um there are people out there who care and um just seek them out and have a chat um and what the the hope of this charity is is to provide someone who is um uh, outside of the situation, who is um, impartial, is able to just talk. Um, so I, I think it's a fantastic cause and done in the right way because, um, you know, I do pick up vibes from places across the internet that actually, you know, a, a lot of hobbyists do struggle quite a lot with this. Um, so I think it's a great way of reaching out to the community and um, I think it's worth a shout out who did it. Is it Red, um, Red Dragon, Dan? Red. Yeah, sorry. I I did write it down. Where's my little book gone? Um, I should have remembered that. It's Red Eagle Studio. It's Red Eagle Studio. Um, so massive kudos to you guys. Um, it's a lot of effort being put into this. It's definitely not a speed painted army <laughs> by no, any stretch of the imagination. Um, so yeah. Hats tipped from the two P's, and that doesn't mean a massive amount, but you know what you've done is awesome. Absolutely. So, um, on that note, uh, thanks for for listening through the community section. Uh, and what we will do now is head off to Middle Earth and have a jolly good wonder around the Shire. I had hoped to start this section with a wonderful rendition of Over the Misty Mountains, but um, I practised it a few times before we came on, and I'm not going to subject anyone to that. Well, I think more importantly, so, it would be so accurate that you would be in danger of copyright infringement. Yeah, it's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> my kids my kids were not impressed when I tried to sing it for them um, when I was reading them The Hobbit the other day, so... Um, which leads us straight in. So welcome to um, the Middle Earth section, which we call the Journey Through Middle Earth. Uh, it's our section that we do every other podcast. Um, and it's because um, we don't have a massive amount of time to dedicate to Middle Earth strategy game, but we utterly adore it. Um, it's been a big part of our hobby through all the years that we've done Games Workshop. Um, and it's been a huge part of our, our sort of fandom, as it will, um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, um, Dan has got loads to talk about with, like, regards to the the Hobbit in the Shire, um, which is the current sort of book that's out, and um, it's very, very good, and we're enjoying it quite a lot. 
Um, my participation in this has been to start reading The Hobbit to my children, which has been a wonderful experience, Dan. Really quite cool. Um, especially watching Tristan really starting to get into it and asking questions. Um, I think it might be a little bit above Elowin, really, at the moment. But, um, yeah. I can't wait. Really having fun with that. I bought... Um... I bought Joshua a collector's edition of The Hobbit when he was born. Um, and, yeah. And uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to read that to him. So, yeah, I'm very excited. So, that's good. Um, talk, so, talking about Lord of the Rings, though, so I think it's fair to say, particularly because it's usually right at the end of when we record, that sometimes the journey through Middle-earth section has, has, has lacked the gusto of some of the other other parts so massively overcoming that with a new um way of splitting up the recording so that we've got the energy for it so really going to see a renewed focus on the lord of the rings section so if that is your thing if you're into lord of the rings please tell people um because we intend to try and make this interesting if we can and then give us feedback Mm. as well we'd like to know what you'd like to see in this section but for now the plan is thus so I've been having a look at the source books, Ben, and I think it would be cool every four months um, to focus on a different source book. Um, be really good uh, for the podcast, I think, but also for personal hobby, because I think more than any other of the Games Workshop games, I feel like The Lord of the Rings encourages you to just collect everything <laughs> and, and, and explore yeah. everything. Um, yeah. Explore the story. So... Um, I've spoken to Tom and he's up for joining me on that as well, which is good because then I don't have to paint everything. Um, and it would be great if, if you did the same, um, try and get people involved, uh, in doing that. Um, um, I'm very excited about the next book actually. So, yeah, um, I'm a monstrous fan of Rohan as, <laughs> as an Anglo-Saxon reenactor. The image, imagery, and the, it just hit me straight away the moment I saw it. So, um, massive fan of Rohan, um, and I've got plenty of them to paint, and I'm really excited about the new book. But we'll talk a little bit about the new stuff later on because we're going to focus on the Hobbit first. Yeah. So the first book we're going to cover, um, or first book that I'm excited to look at is um, the Scouring of the Shire. So I'm going to break it up a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about the story. Um, a little bit about when applicable the films and um, and then the models and, and the book. So this, for those, I'm sure many people, most people have read The Lord of the Rings, but for those who've not read it for a long time or can't recall, The Scouring of the Shire covers the, 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 the period of time when Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin return to the Shire to find that it is not as it was when they left. Um there are fires, <laughs> there are gates, there are notices, um, and there are ruffians everywhere. Um, and essentially, they ride in and they're like, right, well, we're not having any of this. Uh, and they uh, basically kick the ruffians into touch. Um, turns out that Saruman is behind it all. Really petty, spiteful way. And it brings to a close Saruman's story. Um, and the story of Grima and, um, and shows that actually, you know, going off, d- 
doing the as they did, they you know saved Middle Earth, but then when they return home, they find that in their absence, their home has uh, has they've almost lost their home. You know, they, they it's it's really quite uh, harrowing, and I think it just to get a bit deeper, you know, I, I think it reflects a bit some of Tolkien's experiences because he he obviously fought in the First World War um, and was also would have been around when sort of I know it was Victorian era that there was big industrialization but industrialization and capitalism were really on the on the rise um across England and you know going off to war and then returning and it you know really tough thing to come back from um so yeah it it's there's a lot there I think because the country the country had changed a lot mm. really hadn't it uh, over the four years yeah. um the, the the whole social makeup of the country. I, I think a lot of people came back and found that they didn't recognise the country that they'd come back to. Um, some some things are positive, some things not positive. But um, I think when it when it comes to the show, I think you're absolutely right. I think it is really harrowing that what they go through to get, to get the ring to Mordor. Um, and if you stop and actually think about it from and take it as more than just a film and, and try and put yourself in their shoes, it's a really quite an awful experience that the sort of thing that you would not want to do twice or once, you know, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, I mean, particularly Frodo um, is driven on by the thought of, and, and Sam is driven on by the thought of returning home to the Shire. That's, that is the, kind of light at the end of the tunnel and there's a number of times in the film and the book where they talk about what they're going to do when they're going to get home you know the who you know, sam's going to go after you know the love of his life um frodo's going to settle down rosie yeah uh and then to and mary and pippin often talk about how they're going to come home as heroes um and they they come home and it's all gone to crap yeah. um so it, it really is i think it's a bit of a it's an unusual thing for a writer to do to to sort of end the story on such a sort of dark note. It's quite a almost like the happy ending isn't always completely happy. No, um, which is tough, tough on the characters and tough on the readers in some way because you want to put the book down and think that everything's been all right big part of the story that is often and shamefully missed from the film. I yeah. Thought, yeah. But... So I was just going to um, kind of move on to saying about the film and the fact that, like you say, it, it doesn't appear at all. And um, other than sort I, of a there are the vision visions, of the future. Actually. Yeah. There are the visions, aren't there? Yeah. So they, they, they do uh, pay homage to it a bit, but actually in the extended edition, Saruman dies in the two towers uh, by falling off. Yeah. All thanks. So, um, quite different, really. Um, yeah, which is a shame. But then, I suppose with the level of detail Tolkien puts in, put into everything, it would have been hard to cover the scouring of the Shire without making another film, quite possibly, or three. Yeah, yeah indeed. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. not not featured in the films really. Um, although there is some great inspiration in the Hobbit holes. To that you then need to go on and create. So from a from a gaming perspective, the book itself is really really good, mate. It's got 
Um, it is amazing. Some, have you got it? Yeah. Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah, I love it. So it's brilliant. Uh, there's lots of scenarios. And what I really like is there's a linked campaign that gives you uh, the impact of the good or the bad side winning. Um, so yeah. that, that I think, is, is really cool. And that's what I'm aiming in the next four months to try and play through. Um, I did start adding up the number of models I need, and I was like, oh, dear. Because <laughs> I... I thought it wouldn't be too bad. It's actually something I really like about the Lord of the Rings scenarios. Is it gives you actual participants, which mm. really appeals to the collector in me. Um, gives me a small element of heart failure, actually. Really? <laughs> Just reading those lists and thinking, oh, my days. <laughs> so, um, brings me on to an interesting point so, about models. So, I need to get 24, I think is the maximum that I used at any one point, ruffians. It might yeah. even be need to be 26 because of the makeup. But basically, need 8 with bow, 12 just standard, um, and then 4 with whips. And I think there's a, there might be a mm. couple more with whips needed, actually. Um, but I've looked at the models, and um, aside from the fact that they're quite repetitive in pose... Um, you don't get a good mix of those different things, and they're thirty pounds no. for ten or twelve. Um, yeah, and actually, uh, you would need three packs of them, ninety pounds worth, to do all the ruffians. Um, so I've been looking around. Um, I've been looking around because actually, ruffians are sort of generic, pretty ubiquitous guys, yeah, yeah. aren't they? But I yep. must say, and I, and I know I'm spoiled a bit because I, you know, I'm always buying stuff from Games Workshop. But some of these people, some of these sites, they need to sort out their advertisement and the way they display their products online. Because I've been trying to find mm. models. The Frostgrave miniatures, for example. So I know that there's like militiamen for Frostgrave. If you go to a site, I've been to a couple of sites today to look at them, and all there is is a picture of the box art, not even the miniatures, you know? And I was on I was on a website earlier, and uh, I was looking at the Song of Ice and Fire stuff, because actually they've got some, yeah, same problem. They've got some really nice ones. Same problem. And, and worse than that, the description doesn't even tell you how many models are in the box. And, to be honest, they were out the door anyway, because they are in the same price bracket as Games Workshop. Um, and, yeah. and that's just... It, it's the label. Yeah, which is fine, you know, that's fair yeah. enough, whatever. But it's not what I'm looking for. So um, there was some wonderful generic miniatures that you found on Kickstarter. And I... Yeah, I was just literally trying to think of it because they, they do the, the townspeople, don't yeah. they? And a couple of those yeah. kind of Well, you games. need eight... With some green stuff patches or something. Mm. Well, you yeah. need eight townspeople for the the first scenario is set in Brie. And, of course, I've got the buildings, um, which I would use mm. for that. A lot of the scenarios are on little tables as well, only two foot square. Um, but you need eight townsfolk for that. Um, so, yeah. I think it'd be worth us just just pausing pausing there and finding out what that company is. Yeah, by all means, let's do that. So um, we've just had a look, and it's uh, Fireforge Games we're making, what we were talking about. Um, yeah. But a lot of it doesn't seem to be available yet. 
um, and it was a Kickstarter, so they can be um, interesting. So, but any, anyway, the point that we uh, we also got frustrated because they've got no pictures of models on their website, which is a bit silly. Um, but the point being that I'm looking for an alternative because, to be frank, it's a lot of money to spend on some ruffians. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking at that. And um, and then the Hobbits, though. I, I love the Hobbit models, and I'll be definitely be getting those. And Forge World have started bringing out the personalities of the Shire. Um, so I definitely want to be picking up those guys. And I love the Hobbits on ponies. So yeah, lots to um, lots to get through. Uh, next month, I am intending to build a Hobbit hole using um, the upgrade kit from Forge World, which I've got uh, already, and it's turned up, and uh, a load of foam, which I've also got, and I've tidied up my shed a bit in time to make it a complete mess uh, by cutting foam all over the place. Um, so yeah, and then what I'll do is I'll play through the scenarios, and then we'll we can talk about how that went. Um, in future episodes is my plan dude which will be about once every month yeah Yeah. once a month so um would be four sort of episodes about how we get on so i'm gonna have to crack on a little bit just to get the terrain ready (laughs) how many hobbit holes are you building i need five (laughs) i need five altogether i think the the most used in one of the scenarios is is five um can't remember which scenario that is. Yeah, most of the most of them are four or less, but I'm sure I saw one. That's a lot of hobby for one little book. It is a lot of hobby. Yeah, the burning of Woody End has got five hobbit holes in it mm. uh, to be burned, and lots of ruffians. They're not terrible models, the ruffians. I just they don't benefit from the fact that they're so similar. Yeah, so no, similar. you're you're right. And and thirty quid, well, ninety quid for is is a lot. Although you could console yourself in a sense that um, that you'll be able to use them for generic human baddies for role playing forevermore. Yes, that is true. That is true. Have you tried something <laughs> like Reaper Bones? No, I, I, I haven't really. You know me, mate. I'm not very experienced at looking up anything outside of something with Citadel written on it. Well, Reaper so, Bones uh, might be a pretty good option, actually. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm going to have a browse and um, let people know how I got on. Yeah. So should we talk about the um, the releases that have been um, hinted at? Coming up. Oh, yeah. So we, the sort of final, I suppose, little part of um, no open releases was um, the Rohan book, which I'm very excited about. Um, but what I didn't expect, and I'm not sure I, I'm not sure why I didn't expect it, but um, took me completely by surprise, took lots of people completely by surprise, is an an actual scenery kit for the Rohan scenery, which is absolutely fantastic, looks fantastic, really modular um, by their description. And if you look at the picture, there's a massive hall in the background um, that appears to be made by the same kit. So 
I'm hoping you'll be able to practically make Edoras, um, which would be <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awesome. Um, I will try to do that if I, if the kit allows you to do that. Um, cause then you could do like Edoras out of the plastic kit and then all the other little houses scratch build them using sort of, you know, the, the same techniques that we were using when they first came out <laughs> all those many moons ago. Um, so that's a really exciting next step. They've already started to release, um, or hint at some characters for that. They've been doing a pretty good job of releasing Rohirrim characters over the last six months anyway, really, because of the yeah, um, yeah. Gondor at War. So there's a number of characters already out and about, um, which is really cool, because uh, I think it's an army of heroes, really, and having those sort of awesome horsemen stuck in the middle of the generic ones does look fantastic. And uh, I think they they make for an exciting dynamic army, really. They look really, really cool. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the Isengard. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Shall we? Shall we try and? <laughs> shall we try and make a pledge now? Because it will probably be some time before we do this. Um, but shall I work on a Rohirrim army with Ben? Because he's doing Rohirrim too. And you work on an Isengard army. And we'll see if we can do the Helm's Deep scenario. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to line all my models up in my garden. And I'm going to stand at the window of my hobby room and just survey them. <laughs> An army worthy of Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, should, we, should we have a go at that? Yeah, I'm going to go and buy some Eric High. That would be cool. Really, really cool. They're nice and easy dum, to paint dum, as well. Dum, 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 you could, um, dum, 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 you can do the wall in like a mid silver and then just, um, black templar a lot of them through the airbrush. Oh, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't, they, yeah. Wouldn't take very long at yeah, all. It would take longer to paint all the white hands on than it will to paint the models. You could get a sponge, like cut a little kind of sponge. Out that's in the shape. Good, that's quite a good idea. And just do it, you know. Well, it'd probably be slightly easier to make um a stencil, a stencil, and yeah. then sponge it through the stencil. Yeah, because you wouldn't need um. It wouldn't matter if it was a bit sloppy, really, would it? No, I think that'd be the way I'd do it. So you get the easy army to paint. And, and yeah, but you ben just and... told me I've got to paint flipping hundreds of them. You do. I expect at least yeah. a thousand Urukai. But I, d- I don't own the Deeping Wall, so there's only one pair that have got to build the Deeping Wall. Mm. It's you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I would enjoy doing that, actually. I think. Oh, dude, could we make it out of... You know, like you can buy those um, little brick kits that you can build houses from? Let's make it out of that and then blow it up. No. <laughs> oh, it'll be so good. I'm going to no. come to your house in nothing but a loincloth with a fiery brand going running down the road. One of them crazies just been spawned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the final thing I've got to talk about releases wise is I have seen 
a sneak peek leaky photograph of a pack called the Ring Bearers. Yes, so it's all, then they're all invisible. And they're all invisible, and it's everyone, anyone who has ever carried the ring. So, Isildur, um, Gollum, I think I saw Gollum in there, but certainly Sam, um, and certainly Frodo, and certainly Isildur, um, I can't think of anyone else, but there, there was quite a few in there. They looked like there was about five. Um, yeah. Which would be quite cool. Um, That's like an event exclusive thing, isn't it? Yeah, but the event, you know, we go to Warhammer Fest every year, so we'll be able to pick it up there. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And also, in an interesting twist that I've just seen, um, Forgeworld have released this today, three models um, from alternative sculpts, one of Bard the Bowman, one of Tariel, yeah, and one of um, Legolas, and they're available for one week only to purchase on the store, and then they become event exclusive. Yeah, um, which is different. So and they're not, lovely models, are they? Because I literally could not give less of a crap about those three characters. Well, that's fine if you wish to be. You've that already way got you, it. you already got me an, an Ariel a long, long time ago that I really like the model of, but I'll just call her a generic random elf that shouldn't have a name and shouldn't be in the film. Okay, well, thanks for your input. <laughs> Bitter Tolkienite! <laughs> no, I, I do like the the model. Um, and, and Legolas looks the same age as he did from Lord of the Rings in the model, rather than 20 years older. It, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I'm terrible. You know, I I've been I showed the kids the video of because I couldn't see it, so I thought I'd get it out of um, over the misty mountains to give them an idea of what everyone looked like. Um, and it started off, and I was like, "Oh, this is so good! This is really, really good!" And then it showed the beardless dwarf, and I just like, "Oh, this is so bad! How did it get so bad?" <laughs> awful, absolutely awful. Right, Peter well, we're not finish. Uh, we're not finishing the podcast with you bemoaning the Hobbit, the Hobbit film, film and the hairless okay. dwarves. No, we're not finishing on that. We don't no. need any of this. Any minute now, we're going to be on Twitter t- typing ridiculously long posts, aren't we? Oi! <laughs> True. So, oh, I've just found something on. Uh, Facebook called Arrows versus Armor. That looks like a fun video to watch. Anyway, um, yeah. My so it's all looking really exciting for for Middle Earth. Um, it really looks like Games Workshop is properly starting to get gain some momentum in the support behind it, which is excellent. There's a steady stream of miniatures coming out, a steady stream of of content. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm really yeah, excited about the I future of it. And I'm excited to actually do something with it. Yeah. I mean, I've got like literally hundreds of Lord of the Rings models assembled after I went a bit mental last year. Um, and none of them painted. So 
It might be time oh, to Oh, yeah, stop. you did. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Mm. You went mad. Yep. But oh, well. we'll end up with a nice big Rahira Mami and a nice big um, Mordor Orc Army. Right, well, I'm quite interested to see how contrast paints work on all Mordor Orcs. You'll probably get away oh, with yeah. a lot with them. I think um, I've got a suspicion that contrast paints will be absolute godsend for Lord of the Rings. Well, I don't have a suspicion. They worked really well on Farmer Maggot. Mm. Like, I painted him stupidly quick. So, yeah. Moria Goblins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Three yeah. colours. I'd spray them metal. Um, Black Templar the lot. Um, and I'd pick out their faces. Use Plague Bearer and Flesh um, flesh Terrors on the cloths. And that would be practically it, I think. Can't see any reason Sounds doing good. that. So, I think that about brings us to a close. Um, it leaves only to be said the absolutely vital thank yous. So, thank you if you've listened all the way to this point. Um, give us a shout out because I'm not actually convinced anyone gets this far. If I, if I'd be honest, Ben. But, um, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, if you reach this point, give us a shout on Twitter or Facebook. Say, yo, I listened all the way. What's the number for the best therapy in the area? (laughs) Um, That's what I would go for. Uh, So thank you very much to everyone, really, that interacts with us um, across all the different social media. So we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We have a web page and... YouTube at the two peas podcast um, on those things, and it's two peas in a pod.com for the website. Um, as ever, uh, we deliberately choose not to push um, Patreon, although we are looking at ways that we can say a big thank you, but those will not be putting content behind a paywall because we don't. Um, we don't go in for that at this stage, and this is something we do for fun. It's not something that we we do to fund, uh, to put food in our bellies. Because to be frank, you don't get a belly like this by doing social media uh, for wargaming. So um, that's why we don't we don't do Patreon that way. But we do want to do some more stuff for you guys. We'll get there. But a massive thank you to the patrons because it's genuinely now. Um, I think it was a couple of months ago, wasn't it, Ben? We had the um, bill come in for hosting uh, the the podcast on Podbean. And the website, and it was, it, all at once. And the website. Yeah. And it caused a, a bit of a moment um, <laughs> in the Hall household when uh, when the, the wonderful uh, Mrs. Hall discovered the money had gone. And um, it was not- swiftly plugged. Uh, by the generous donations of our patrons, so thank you very, very much. You have uh, saved ge- genuinely. Soul. Thank you very, very much because <laughs> <laughs> I had completely I, I, forgotten it was coming out. <laughs> annual yeah. annual payments are a bit like that, really, aren't they? They can. They are, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you all. Please do go to the hobby group. Get involved. 
Uh, we are really excited about the podcast over the next, um, well, in, in the foreseeable future. We've got some cool hobby projects we're work- working on. We want to talk to you. We're going to be talking to you guys about. And um, back to two weeks now from, from now. Um, and more people on board. So, yeah, good times. I'm going to yeah. finish with a bit of homework. So we do loads of shout outs for people because we think it's awesome to... Um, bring people together and create hobby communities across the internet in the local area any way we can um what i would really appreciate people doing um is if you have a particular podcast or um hobby blog or um local gaming store or something that you'd like to shout out then it would be really wicked if you could um drop a Twitter post or tag them in Instagram or give us a shout out on Facebook to show us who these people are because um, I'd love for people to have that streaming across their feed of of super awesome content. Um, So now we will know if you've listened to the end of a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will see. Well, Ben, it has been a pleasure as ever. That said with the most sarcastic grin I've ever seen on your face. <laughs> You're just rude, man. Uh, I'm not rude. I'm not rude. I'm just truthful. <laughs> oh, someone come and get a knife from my back. <laughs> oh, dearie dear. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed episode 47. And we'll see you for episode 48. Bye. Like torches blazed with light.